Welcome back to Word Balloon, the comic book conversation show. John Suntress here. We've got uh, one guest for you today, but it's a good one. It's Chip Zdarsky. He's back. You might remember last year during Sensi Comic Con, he and Matt Fraction had a sex criminals panel that uh, delighted the live fans, and it was a very popular download last year for Word Balloon. Well, Chip is back uh, to talk about Coptara, his excellent parody comic that he does. A uh, very funny thing, kind of a John Carter or Flash Gordon on an alien world and all the different uh, alien races he encounters, but uh, with the Zdarsky humor. But it's not only his humor. Kagan McDonald, of course, uh, the uh, co-creator of Coptara, plays a big role in the comic, and uh, Chip describes it. He also talks about his work with uh, Joe Quinones on uh, Howard the Duck. And, of course, we talk a bit about sex criminals. Also, Chip's work in newspapers. A very well-rounded discussion with Chip Zdarsky on today's Word Balloon. It's all brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. Tis the season to save at InStockTrades.com. Excellent deals are going on now. Up to 70% off select Dark Horse books. You can also get up to 70% off select IDW titles. Uh, Image, DC, Marvel, and Dark Horse, 45% off. Select Image titles up to 50% off. All discount comic book service variants are 50% off. Lots of great deals. Just go to their website, InStockTrades.com, and you will also find things like Hawkeye Volume 2, uh, the premium hardcover featuring Matt Fraction and David Aja, uh, and uh, also, uh, yeah, Annie Wu is in there as well. Of course she is. This is uh, the hardcover, Volume 2. I had to confirm that <laughs> to make sure. Also, Javier Polito and Francesco Francavilla and Matt Hollingsworth work on uh, this excellent uh, hardcover. It's uh, 50% off, $17.49. You can also get Absolute Sandman, uh, the hardcover, Volume 4, is 50% off, just $24.99. You can get The Private Eye, Brian K. Vaughn, and Marcos Martin. The online comic is now a deluxe hardcover, and it's available at 45% off, $27.49. Just a few of the great deals that are going on right now at InStockTrades.com, but uh, that's just the tip of the iceberg. You will find lots to be excited about and uh, check out the great deals that are waiting for you at InStockTrades.com. Perfect for your holiday shopping needs. But in any case, uh, let's get to our uh, only guest. And uh, again, it's Chip Zdarsky. We had a great conversation. About uh, 11 minutes into the conversation, um, the Internet gets wonky, and we switch to phone. And we let you know when that happens. But uh, you're going to hear a slight uh, change in the quality because it goes from Skype to phone line. But uh, still an excellent conversation. We, we covered a lot of bases, and uh, it was a really great opportunity to catch up with uh, Chip Zdarsky. Let's talk to him now on Word Balloon. We actually pick it up in mid-conversation because I can't even begin with an introduction. I have to immediately start asking questions of, uh, of Chip. So here we go. Are you doing newspaper stuff still? Or is this now your full-time? You've got no. It would be full-time. Yeah, I, I basically I, I quit the paper last August officially, and uh, I've been meaning to do stuff for them, but there's just no time. I understand. No, this is a good problem. I'm very happy for you. Man. Yeah, it was hard during the federal election here. Every I bet. I had was to go into the paper and start working again. I don't blame you. Exactly. So, you know, that would be a great kind of yeah. bonus thing of like a page or two of like – the ideas I would have liked to have explored during the federal election. <laughs> I know. You can do, I mean, because I'm uh, sure you got enough stuff for both guys, right? 
Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And the uh, the funny thing is, the stuff I do do for the paper is just like going away presents because everyone keeps getting fired or leaving the newspaper. Oh, I understand. No, I know, Chip. It's the yeah. it's like that in broadcasting too, man. I'm keeping all this because this is all good. Oh my God, Chip Sidarsky, I missed you. Welcome back well, to Work Balloon. Too. Hey, you have my, you... my my first. This is my first official Word Balloon. True, but we did a live thing, so I feel like you know we spent that that great uh, hour in we Cincinnati. Did the, uh, we did the panel, right? Yeah, and I, you know, I mean, which I mean, I think after the first five minutes, it pretty much left you and Matt to your own devices. And I, I learned about you know Canadian cops and uh, I, I, you know, a lot of other things. But uh, yeah. no, that's that's why I couldn't remember. And I guess so. You had left the newspaper like right before you had come to. Wasn't it last year? In yeah, 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 yeah. That would probably be right, right around the time I went on a book leave for that summer because uh, newspapers love reporters go on book leave because it means they don't have to pay them. And Is so that true? I basically, it, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And, and it's it's a thing almost every journalist does at some point because they'll write a story and they want to turn it into a book or sure. Um, very few go and do comics, but yeah. So I. Yeah, I was I was trying to do both. I did both for a year, sex criminals and the newspaper job. And then, uh, yeah, at, at some point in the spring, I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to go on a book leave. And I, I took the most time I could, which was I guess four months. And then, uh, and then I went back in and said uh, I wasn't coming back. Wow, man. Well, yeah. congratulations on being able to leave on your own terms, because. You know, I mean, that's that's kind of the environment right now for print and radio is I mean, radio exists and print. And I still believe that if not, you know, I, I well, actually, I should say, I don't know what's going to happen to hard print. Yeah. But I'm sure every newspaper will survive. just as a lot of radio stations will survive. It's just a matter of, you know, kind of reorganizing and, and, and I think lopping off a lot of uh, people uh, yeah. to, to make a leaner product. And God, I mean, I can't imagine your own your own paper as you left. Is it like, you know, 40% of what it was in terms of size and stuff oh, like Oh, God, that? no. It was like 20%, maybe. 15. I believe it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, because it was it was a relatively new newspaper. Like, it's only been around about 14, 15 years. It kind of, like, burst on the scene in Canadian media. And and the, uh, the early days, like, we were started by Lord Conrad Black, who was this, like, high-rolling right-wing dude. Um, I know Conrad Black. We talked about this in Cincinnati. Yeah, he ran the Sun-Times for, like, Five minutes in Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He ended up going to jail in Chicago, I believe. <laughs> yeah, tell the story. No, because you probably have it better than I do. I just know him by reputation. So yeah. Oh I yeah. What I, he went I, to jail for? I, I I actually don't even remember the the, the charge. Like uh, I was at the paper and we were kind of covering his trial, and wow. I I tried to just avoid it. Like I think it was like some sort of like embezzlement thing. And like cover up stuff, and he insisted he was innocent, and. uh yeah, he's kind of a hoity-toity guy here. Like, uh, like his uh, prose is very, uh, very regal. And then he went to prison, and then came out of prison, like actually empathizing with the poor for a change. So prisons work. Oh, that's good. Well, <laughs> yeah. all right. And is he is he trying to do good work since uh, coming out of jail? Uh, kind of. He's written a few uh, columns just about like, um, like kind of unjust. Uh, 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 prison setups and uh, and the fact that like everyone that goes to prison is poor and it's like drug charges and like why is that and um, so yeah there's there's 
there's a little glimmer, but I don't think he's he's fully reformed. Um, yeah, but yeah, so he's when he started this, like he just threw tons of money into it. Like there were like crazy parties in the early days and uh, tons of money being thrown around, and that didn't last very long. And uh, yeah, I've kind of I've, I've watched it get downsized over the years. And yeah, I'm going to a going away party this week for one of the founding editors. Cause wow, he finally figured out it's time to go. So, and was it, was it a, you know, straight up newspaper or was it a weekly or what, what was the, you know, tell me again, cause I forgive me. I yeah. Yeah. No, the it, was, it was the, uh, the national post. So it okay. was a, um, it was a, it was a daily newspaper. Sure. Um, and, uh, unfortunately, even though it says national post it, at some point it stopped distributing <laughs> entirely across the country, uh, just because of cost. So, okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, because that's the big that's thing. Ex- that's the thing that destroys newspapers. It's distribution. Like that's the biggest cost right there. Like it's not it's not the employees. It's it's actually getting that the physical sense. newspapers to people. Right. Yeah. And then and then therefore, because you know this is like a conversation I've had with Mark Miller about newsstands in Europe. Yeah. And you know he's like, oh, newsstands are the same. He's like, you know, it really it it hasn't impacted Europe the way that it has in the states and i don't know about canada so i mean is is it similar to the states in terms of yeah everyone's getting their news online and the newspaper isn't you know obviously that's what it sounds like so and you're right so distribution it's the trucks driving them to the the whatever vendors are left or even delivery and stuff and then it's a question of i guess more so the vendors who aren't you know who aren't selling them and therefore it's unsold paper so there's no no money going coming back in. Yeah, yeah, because there was never any Partial. money money in the actual newspapers being sold. Really, like it was all about the advertising. Right. Of course, like they could yes. turn around and say, "Oh, we've got a million people reading this, so this is our ad rate." Right. Absolutely. But yeah, yes. but that's no longer the case. That and and classified ads, and it's so it it is so uh, weird how like Craigslist really undermine the newspaper industry even quicker yeah. than you know than regular straight up ads yeah because yeah that was a gold mine oh yeah you know yeah jimmy lost the bike okay fine that's a hundred dollars to put a classified ad in or you can go to craigslist yeah for free yeah uh, <laughs> you know in the last i'd say five or six years like whenever i'd uh, need to look for an apartment or a friend would have to look for an apartment i'd just be like pick up the newspaper because the people putting ads in the classifieds are usually quite old, and they don't know the value of their apartment. Exactly. <laughs> like, yeah, <isn't> that's <laughs> it's, it's it's like it's it's the best life hack right there. Like, that's awesome. Chip Zdarsky yeah. confounds the elderly. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's like a- the, the downside with that is uh, when you go to the apartment viewings, you usually have to talk to the person for about an hour. which is unfortunate but you learn a lot that's awesome (laughs) you're killer fantastic jesus well like i said i am glad that you were able to get out on your own terms and the magic continues with you man jesus you know Captara and jughead and howard the duck yeah it's been a weird year last folk yeah Yeah. hell yeah man this is great (laughs) yeah but that's honestly and i and i said this to scotty young as well i'm so pleased that Humor has reasserted itself in terms of being something that, you know, comic readers want. Yeah. And gives you guys, you know, a, a big enough audience that you can do your thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, it's 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 such a weird thing that, you know, we work in a, a medium called comic books, but there's nothing really comic about most of them. Like, there's nothing 
there's nothing there's nothing inherently funny in the stories anymore um yeah so it's why i've always loved matt's stuff because no matter what he was doing like there would always be some some humor injected into it absolutely no you guys were a, a wonderful find and then now you like the spotlight is on you both equally and now you can obviously take advantage of this and start doing more of on your own so tell tell me about top tara what was uh is this something that was brewing for a really long time with you that you wanted to do? Yeah, well, back in I guess 2000, 2001, um, I was part of a studio. We started a studio in Toronto. It was myself and Cameron Stewart, an illustrator named Ben Shannon and Kagan McLeod. And Kagan uh, illustrated Infinite Kung Fu. Did you ever read that? Yes, it's, I had forgotten that he did that. Oh, it's fantastic! Oh, it's unbelievable. And like back in those days in the studio, watching him work, like just full on beautiful traditional ink washes and uh, such an instinctual artist. Like we went to the same art college and he was like the star student. Like, like when he graduated, like all their, uh, all their, all their pamphlets and stuff and catalogs featured his artwork cause he was so good. And so in that, did all, did all of you go to that uh, college? No, myself and Kagan did. Cameron didn't go to um, post-secondary school. Um, okay. uh, ben Shannon went to Sheridan as well. Um, yeah, so we, we started the studio and, um, it was tons of fun and we would pass around like a sketchbook, um, in which we would kind of create these crazy narratives and draw these like ludicrous characters. And the idea was like someone would do a page and then pass it along and, you know, try and laugh out of the next guy and they'd have to continue the story. And Kagan was so funny and so creative um, like I don't think I've ever met anyone as creative as he is, and kind of effortlessly so. We also we also both worked at the National Post, um, oh, okay. so we've we've kind of like we've gone through the the kind of the similar career beats uh, together, and uh, and he's one of my best friends, and he's an amazing uh, guy and hip hop karaoke champion. Like he can do pretty much anything. That's hilarious. Yeah, he's he's awesome. That's better. It might be this weird thing. My my studio is uh, in a garage um, behind my house, and sometimes sure. the internet will cut out on a bad night. No problem. Bud. Just so you know, uh, Chip's uh, internet was kind of, and maybe it was mine, it was a little wonky. So I got him on the phone right now, and uh, he was just explaining uh, Kagan's uh, what Kagan did after Infinite Kung Fu. So take it from there. Chip. Yeah, Kagan decided after Infinite Kung Fu to just become extremely successful. Um, <laughs> he's uh yeah he's like he's one of the top illustrators in this field like you you see his work everywhere um, where, where, no and forgive me because like is he doing national magazines is he doing everything yeah. what's he doing yeah yeah you, you name a magazine he's probably done stuff for it he, um he's frequently in entertainment weekly he does like wall street journal I think Washington Post. Yeah, yeah. He's just, he's unbelievable. So he was doing that and actually working at the newspaper um, that I was working at as well. So we had like kind of the similar uh, kind of, I actually kind of followed him as he went along. Like, uh, Oh, that's great. Have you been doing, had you been doing like magazine stuff as well all this time? Because you're like Tony Millionaire, where like we only know you from your comics, and if we're not, you know, if I'm not paying attention, you know, is it like that? Because that's what it sounds like with Kagan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nowhere near to the degree uh, that that Kagan was 
working on freelance projects. Like I basically, I joined the NASA post after Kagan was there um, because I, I found out about the job opening through him. Okay. Um, and then he was working on Infinite Kung Fu and that prompted me to start working on my comic, my first comic, which is Prison Funnies. And we, we did like mm-hmm. conventions in the early 2000s, just the two of us, um, kind of promoting our wares. Uh, and then we started the studio together and, um, and then, yeah, then that's kind of where we diverged. Like he kind of left the newspaper cause he was too busy and I stayed for a bit longer and then ended up in comics. Uh, so yeah, it was kind of the first time in our kind of mutual careers where we ended up in different spots and Kagan, like he, he, he makes a, he makes a great living as an illustrator, but there's just something about comics, right? And sure. I knew he was missing that. I knew he was kind of working on like kind of larger scale, long-term projects. But, uh, but I, I knew I, I wanted to get him doing a comic because I wanted more people to see his stuff. I wanted him to kind of experience what I've been experiencing. And, uh, and yeah, and just to work with someone like that is like, it's just awe-inspiring. Like when we were in the studio, um, we would often remark that we, no one could ever goof off around Kagan because he works so hard. Like you would just feel like a jerk sitting there surfing the web while he inks four pages a day. Totally focused and good speed as well. I'm imagining because you guys amazing you know, speed, amazing. Yeah, speed. I was going to say it seemed unless you guys were banking issues, it seemed like Captara was you know coming out at a nice clip and everything. Yeah, yeah. The last issue took a bit longer just because he's still doing all his freelance work as well, and okay. uh, and he really wanted issue five to be kind of bigger and better. Yeah, as you you guys say in the letter page, exactly. It's not like you did yourselves any favors with some of those crowd scenes and everything. I know, I know. It's kind of it's kind of ludicrous, but yeah, I just, yeah, I just want people to see his stuff because it's so good and he's so creative. Like ninety percent of the creativity of the book is from Kagan. Like it's so easy to write it because I can I can leave almost everything up to him. So is he is he the guy that's designing all the crazy characters and stuff? Or I mean, yeah. how does that I mean, how does that happen? Like, I mean, yeah. you know, do you, do you come he's, up with the wizard and he's like, all right, yeah, great, but he's gonna have a beard covering his junk and, and then yeah, like, yeah, no, the, the I mean, the wizard is like <laughs> the wizard's like a combination of like old dumb sketchbook ideas that we had and uh, and uh, an old man character that I created years ago named Melvin Zadarsky, who's kind of like my my uncle. That's your uncle that was always angry at Applebee's, right? Yeah, yeah, he he got into that. He was originally created as, um, as a as a as an old senior citizen type who would write into all of the uh, Toronto newspapers to complain about about things in the paper. <laughs> That's excellent. Are you aware of uh, you know Don Novello's Laszlo Coast? I mean, did you did you did you happen upon that and and that's what made you create uh, Melvin? Or of what? Was, Sorry, say it again. Don Novello, who used to be on uh, Saturday Night Live back in the seventies and eighties, he was Father Guido Sarducci, okay, a long long time comedy writer. He wrote a book years ago called The Laszlo Letters, and he created this persona called Laszlo Toth. Really, and Laszlo, or, or Toth like moth, and he would write like he wrote to Timex, the watch company. And said, hey, I just saw that commercial where the guy finds a watch on a beach. You know, I lost a watch on a beach. I think it's mine. Is Do you guys have a lost and found department? You know, and, you know, shit like yeah. that. And it was during, this was during the energy crisis. And he wrote to, 
gas companies on how to save energy. Yeah. And he's like, why don't you flush the toilet like every other time that you actually have to? And that way it'll create kind of a heartbeat system for the waterworks. And we could push boats out to sea with the, with the power. In and he would just Amazing. have these like crazy ideas and like send them and, and get these great form letters back. Thanks for your terrific idea on how to save energy. Oh, you know? <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, no, I, I, I'd never heard that before. I'm going to have to... Delve in and do some research. Yeah, man, Amazon. I'm sure you can find a, a copy of the of the Laszlo letters. It's a it's a great book. And yeah, man, no, that's awesome that you came upon this yourself as well. Because James Robinson was doing that for a while too, and I and I he would follow certain companies on Twitter and just like engage and you know, hey, tell us uh, the great ways you use applesauce. And I'd say, oh, my wife and I use applesauce every summer night as part of our meals. And then we go to our sex swapping meetings. You know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks for the tip. Yeah. <laughs> my my goal is always to just to try and get into the papers. Uh, they they would never publish the letters. And I created no <laughs> no no. And then I like I, I I kept a blog which is still up. I think it's like meldensblogspot.blogspot.com. And uh, and myself and Kagan actually Kagan would post as a guy named Charlie Ferguson. Um, and we'd post on like the craft message boards, like craft dinner, <laughs> sure. in which people would exchange recipes featuring craft products. And he yes. was just like, he would get right in there. He was just like, pretend to be throwing all these like weird craft theme parties. <laughs> like just not the best use of our time. Like this was before Kagan had kids and we were not quite as busy, <laughs> but yeah. So yeah. So, so something like Melvon just kind of sprang from like, both of our old things that we'd work on. And then like, we would just sit around and like Kagan would be sketching and I'd be like making suggestions and, Oh my God, we just like laugh and laugh and just like pray that it comes across funny to other people. I like it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely, you know, the, the, uh, the, the John Carter, Flash Gordon, uh, Planet of the Apes, with more than one race on the uh, on the planet and stuff, but yeah, I just I always love the lost astronaut idea, yeah. and then you know throwing him into this kind of crazy world and stuff like that. It's uh, no, that's terrific, man. Very yeah. funny. Yeah, we're we're Great such stuff. we're such old He-Man fans. Like so much of it's from He-Man. Yes, clearly. Just like <laughs> just like just that weird awkward combination of sci-fi and fantasy. It's like sure. a, it's like a barbarian operating a cat tank that has lasers. God, it's funny, you know. I just I was talking to Jason, Aaron, and, and Sam Humphreys about Weird World. Oh yeah, and I'm and I was wondering, yeah, if, like if that was something you were maybe like fishing around for, if you had known um, to want to write something like that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think I think a lot of us kind of like grew up around the same era, which which was sure. like kind of like action figures, which were uh, like I think there was like a weird law that hadn't been put into place yet. Uh, so people could just kind of come up with toys and then create animated series to sell their toys. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what happened. You're right. Yeah. Oh, that's that. Yeah. Before the parent groups really controlled uh, Saturday morning content. No, you're right. I just had Tim Seeley on talking. I don't mean to keep dropping names, but all yeah. of these things remind me of other, of other conversations. Yeah. yeah. Tim, you know, Tim did that. He met book for dark horse and everything. And Tim's, Tim and his brother Steve, and they and they're both very much experts on you know the creation of of He Man. So yeah. I'm not surprised. Have you had those conversations with uh, the Sealies? Have you met them yet? No, no, no. I haven't talked to anyone with any kind of connection to the uh, He Man books. I'm kind of afraid to. 
Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, like Kagan, Kagan and I have this like uh, this general philosophy about it where um, neither of us want to. We we want to base this on our memories of it and not actually look at it anymore. I understand. If that makes Martin. any sense, like like we we don't want it to be super direct. We're just like, oh yeah, didn't they have like a a guy with like a with a giant fist covered in fur? Like you know, <laughs> I think I think that's I think that's where the best creative ideas come from. It's just like misremembered and half remembered ideas. That's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Very funny. The uh the yeah, the fifth issue is out. The the trade is coming out next week, right? Um, I think it's December twenty third, just in time oh, for okay. for last oh, second shoppers. I think that's fantastic. And I think again in this in this uh era of uh weird humor, like totally like being the, the you know, a taste that people seem to want and stuff like that. Yeah, if you haven't jumped on the Coptara uh, this is the time and the first the first arc the introductory arc I assume. Yeah. Uh, do you is this like a I mean it, it's obviously got kind of an epic scale to it, and and then and again like you say He Man, but really I do I see John Carter in there I see Flash Gordon in there. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Uh, and and also you know oh god you tell me you're a fan of Zardoz. Oh yeah. <laughs> of I just, you got it. I discovered that in college like so many uh, <laughs> so many stoners did, and wannabe stoners yeah. Oh. You're right. That is what I thought. Exactly, man. That's hilarious. <laughs> I probably saw. I probably saw it 15 years before you did, but exa- yeah. it was college, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's there for every generation, really. <laughs> Anybody who needs to see Sean Connery in a diaper. Yeah, yeah. And I think everyone's hand just raised up instinctually as soon as they heard that. <laughs> Young Sean Connery. Not, not. It's possible that even old, sadly, uh, old, old Sean Connery might might be suffering with a diaper right now. I'm not really. I wouldn't label Sean Connery and Zardoz as young. <laughs> well, younger. Younger for sure. But it was thirty. It was thirty years ago. So he. All right. Yeah. So yeah, he was. He, so he was fifty. Okay, you're right. Yeah, it's, yeah, he's probably like <laughs> maybe mid forties or something. Like, yeah, he's. Uh, <laughs> That's true. Yeah, he's, you he's, he's, I, he's in between the diaper stages. He's, well, he's, and he's it, close to I the old man diaper stage. Well, and I don't know, man, because as I, you know, as I enjoy my my middle aged dotage and stuff, I'm looking back at stuff at like like Never Say Never Again is yeah. Bond comeback from the eighties. Now, when it came out, I'm like, oh man, Connery looks old. Yeah, and now I look back and it's like. All right, he was definitely, you know, it was 15 years since Diamonds Are Forever or whatever, but I'm like, you know, he looks closer to 60s Bond there than he would if he tried to do it today. So I'm like, all right, he's okay. It's still James Bond. It, it kind of works. Yeah, yeah. And your 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 concept of what is old yeah. radically <laughs> <Probably> changes. <laughs> this is true. All yeah, right. like I'll, I will always picture like Harrison Ford from like Star Wars and – uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark is being older sure. than me. He has to be older than me, but he's not. He's a kid. In those movies, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's true, Chip. All right, you've made me feel better, so that's good. <laughs> all right, a little, a little comfort. That's, that's we all hit good. it. We all hit it, yeah. Yeah, no, this is true. But, uh, I, I, no, I, I, it's it's great. It's it's very it's very funny. And it, again, all right, so we started to talk about the epic. It uh, Tell me, like, yeah, how long how long of a story do you think you guys have mapped out? Well, I, we kind of we sat down and we we plotted out kind of like major plot points and twists and things, um, but we we left enough room open that you know 
if uh, Kagan does a drawing of a cat tank that is so amazing that I want to do five issues based on that, like we we can do it. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, we we could do it forever. It's like one of those things, like kind of on paper, it looks like it's about sixty, seventy issues. Um, but it just depends on. Uh, if you keep buying it, uh, if, if, if Kagan's arm doesn't fall off, um, you know, <laughs> the essentials like that. We, we so were, how... we'll, we'll do three volumes for sure, just because um, uh, we recently started selling kind of foreign rights, and part of that deal is that they are purchasing for three volumes. Sure, absolutely. So, so yeah, so that's 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 a definite. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I want to do it forever. Would you collect them in a foreign market as, like, two issues per album? Or would you do – you've got five issues right now. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. you, or, or would you do that as a single graphic novel for the foreign market? You know, it's funny, like, these uh, – with sex criminals, it's the first time I've ever dealt with kind of foreign stuff. Yeah, I'm always interested, in, you know, in the business side. So please, if you don't. And so it's it's kind of fascinating. Like every deal is slightly different, and what they decide to do with it is slightly different. Most uh, most markets have kept it as uh, trades. Like they're just like kind of basically duplicating the okay. trades. Um, okay. Some will make them larger. The French edition's large. The Italian edition smaller than ours. Um, but but uh, like Mexico. Is doing individual issues. I think that's okay. the, I think that's the only one that I've seen that's doing individual issues. Um, yeah, yeah, it's strange. And and for Kaptar and for and for Kagan's uh, celebrity uh, out there, like, is is it doing really well in Canada? Do people know that? You know, I mean, do people, enough people know about Kagan as a cartoonist? Period. They're like, oh my god, he's doing a comic book. I got to see this. Well, I mean, it's doing it's doing well in Canada, but it's uh, but illustrators aren't really household names like that's the that's kind of the other draw to, sure. to, to move from illustration to comic books because you know I, w- I did freelance illustration for about 10 years and I think I received one kind of fan letter in that time and it was okay. from another illustrator okay <laughs> <laughs> and newspapers and magazines all the time illustration is kind of seen by the general public as kind of window dressing like yes. it, it accompanies an article maybe Maybe your eye will rest on it for a bit, but you, you kind of move on from that. Uh, whereas comics are kind of an, an emotional investment for the reader. Uh, so yeah, so it, there, there's not a big translation to, I think, sales from um, uh, status as an illustrator. Uh, but I think the sales are kind of more based on the fact that it looks good. Like if people pick it up and flip through it, I feel like majority of people will plunk down the money to, to pick it up just because it's it's visually unlike anything that's on the stands. Oh, yeah. Um, also, also uh, because I'm a genius in marketing, uh, the first image trade is $9.98. One cent cheaper than every other image trade. Genius. Yeah, yeah. Very so nice. It's, Very it's, nice. It's, it's practically the cheapest image trade that they're currently putting out. <laughs> That's good, and it's I like try. you say, it's right before, right, right before Christmas, so that's kind of perfect timing. Yeah. But um, well, that you know, and I was going to ask about that in terms of any kind of stunting 
you guys might have been doing or plan to do in the way that you and Matt have been doing for sex criminals. I, mean, I imagine that might have rubbed off in terms of potential ideas. Yeah, I mean, with Matt and I, so much of what we do isn't really planned out. As <laughs> evidence of what happened uh, when you guys tried to, uh, you know, throw a thousand dollars in a in a mylar bag. Yeah, or issue or two, yeah. Right? It's neither not it's either not planned out or it's poorly planned out. All right. Um. So like uh, like our photo cover that we did was basically done the day that it was due at the printer, and we just needed to do something, and it coincided with Buzzfeed talking about my Applebee's stuff online. <laughs> And like, and we just we we were incredibly lucky, and like, some things just kind of fall into place, and uh, you know, the kind of publicity you can't buy. Um, and but it all stems from us just wanting to have fun. And Kagan and I are are, are similar, um, but we've just been doing like kind of dumb videos and. Um, yeah, yeah, just kind of. Just, oh, are you posting? I didn't know that. Are you posting them on a blog or anything? Your your videos? Yeah, yeah. Well, well the one was featured on io9. Um, okay. Just kind of about the creation of that final spread in issue five of the like Very eighty cool. eighty brand new characters. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> just like that. Um, yeah, yeah. But I've, I've also kind of found that like. Now that I'm writing three books and drawing sex criminals, I'm, I'm not having as much time to do dumb things anymore, which is a shame. It's like, it's like I guess, I guess this is what happens when people grow up. They oh, get, let's not hear that. No, I know, no. I know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a terrible feeling. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, but that's, yeah, but that's the thing, man. I, I really do think you are a multimedia threat. And while I do want you to make good comics and continue to make good comics, no, the Applebee the shit is a lot of fun as well. And I mean, I, I imagine you don't, as you just said, probably don't have time to do a podcast. You might have time to talk on a podcast, but I can't see you having time. To make oh, oh I, was just, I was just talking to my girlfriend about this the other day. I have like nine different podcast ideas that I like desperately want to do, but it's just like, Oh God, like which, which one do you focus on? It's horrible. Oh, like, I, I, well, stayed up, I stayed up all last night. It's like Matt's birthday today. I stayed up all night making a video for him, which is just like so dumb and so <laughs> over the top. And I was like, why Why am I doing this? Why am I spending so much time on everything? You just can't. I'm, yeah, If you have fun doing it, it's so hard to like not keep doing it, you know? I hear you, man. I wanted to pull up my uh, my fifth issue and uh, and look at some of the eighty characters that you guys created. And I do remember that my favorite character, and I just wanted to confirm it, was the guy <laughs> the guy on the far left that has the volcano for a head. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I'm trying to remember what his name is. We actually wrote bios for all of them. That's fantastic. We 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 basically for the trade we have like a two page spread where like all eighty characters have names and little histories, um, which again like took us like a week to do. It's like it's not the best use of our time, but it's so funny to us that you know we can't actually help but do it. Well, this clearly also might you know come up with some other side stories. Yeah. Oh yeah. For sure. You know, like so. So yeah. Like all, right. all those characters are going to come into play. As insane as that sounds. No, I'm for it. That's, <laughs> that's excellent. Yeah. I uh, 
No, I, this is really I, it's crazy. The um, so also I was wondering, will the foreign uh, trades would they have the letters pages and stuff like that, and the, including sex criminals and all that? No, no, all all the foreign stuff for sex criminals has been no letters pages. I mean, actually, I haven't seen the Mexican ones, the individual issues, so maybe they are. Um, we just finalized a deal to have uh, just the tips in France. Excellent. <laughs> um, but uh, as was explained to me by our liaison with the French publisher, he was like, um, uh, "There is uh, we have to change the title because there is uh, uh, no such thing as uh, just the tip uh, in France because we, we do not just put the tip in. <laughs> so do you know what's the, what's the French title going to be? He's, uh, he was kind of, I forget what they, they suggested, uh, um, he was kind of telling me about it when I was there in the spring. Uh, like there are certain phrases that kind of only work in French, like double sure. entendres that like, sure. make no sense here. But I'm I'm just trusting them to come up with one that isn't like I don't know racist or weird. Or <laughs> <laughs> you put a, you put a lot of faith into the uh, the translators. Well, you like, know you're right. I I remember reading about. Uh... American movies being dubbed into foreign languages. Yeah. And you're right. A lot of American slang will not make sense on another language. And I forget which, if it was Italian or whatever, but it was for, oh, God, uh, The Big Chill. Okay, yeah. And, and, and Jeff Goldblum's line is, I wanted to bring a date to the funeral. Yeah. And, and they thought they meant that literally like a, like a piece of fruit. And so they said, I wanted to bring a fig to the funeral. <laughs> And it's like, well, no, man, no, like a girl. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, like, I, I have no idea. Like, I've, I've I've passed the German one on to a friend and the Italian one on to a friend to, to give it a read just to see if it works, and they say it does. But the Russian one is crazy. Like, I got, I got a copy of the Russian sex criminals, and the translators went through and translated all the background jokes, too. Like oh, that's awesome. Every sign and magazine title and like, you know, there's like one panel in like the sex shop where there's like 70 different jokes in there and they're all translated into Cyrillic. Oh, that's fantastic. Which wow. Is, which is great, but I have no idea what they translated them to because so many of them are puns. Like it doesn't even, like they would never track in another language. So I, yeah, I just, I'm just praying that there's nothing inflammatory. <laughs> I'm going to go to Russia to do a signing and like, I'll get arrested as soon as I get there. Kesarsky, you will come with us, please. It's all Played page 15. It's all anti Vladimir Putin stuff in the background. <laughs> that I didn't realize. That'd be great. Man. Just That'd setting me up to take the fall. Jesus. All right. So again, Kaptara, the, the uh, first volume is out uh, December uh, 23rd Yeah. for nine ninety eight. Yeah. And uh, a good jumping on point. So are you guys uh, coming back with uh, six in February or March? Or? Um, I don't have the exact date. Uh, Kagan is resting up right now, and he'll, he's going to be jumping in soon. Um, yeah, yeah I'd, like to, I'd like to get it kind of similar to sex criminals, like if we can get like a big chunk done and then have it come out in a few months. That seems to be the best way to work. I understand. Sure. Yeah. No, definitely. Well, and please, you know, when, when you guys are ready with six, let me know, and I'd love to talk to Kagan because – I didn't put two and two together. I loved Infinite Kung Fu. Yeah. So uh, so good. Yeah, so good. So good. No, this is this is what happens. See, I, I become friends with Matt. I get to know you, and then uh, now you'll hopefully introduce me to Kagan, and I'll 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 learn even more. There you go. 
there I like you go. it. It's good, man. Well, I'm, I'm also. I mean, you've got a million things, so I wanted to. I wanted to hit some of these other things that you got. Yeah, yeah, well. yeah. Go for it. So, like, like Jughead, two yep. issues in. Yeah. And uh, and I and I like uh, Jughead's little political stand that's happening at River, Riverdale right now with the hamburgers. Yeah, yeah. The, the, and the, and that, the, the only thing that could, the only thing that could motivate Jughead to take a stand, <laughs> to take away his food. <laughs> How do you? I mean, I, I, like I still, I this is the same Jughead. It's a slightly different art spin, but like, is there is there a way? Like, if someone were to, like, I'm going to ask you, Jughead, what is Jughead Jones to you? Is he has he figured it all out and just doesn't care? Yeah. Or is that is that what you'd say about yeah, him in terms yeah. of he's he's kind of like, you know and this is kind of me and a lot of teenagers where you kind of just become just uh just knowledgeable enough about the world that you become cynical and you kind of think you know how things run. Sure. Uh, and you know, like kids in high school tend to go one way or the other. Some are just like, Oh, let's save the world. Others are just like, "Mm, the world is doomed. So, you know, let's just kind of like do our own thing. And Jughead falls into that category. Whereas Betty falls into the former category. Sure. Um, I like to think that Jughead's like the smartest guy in the room, but he just doesn't feel the need to prove it. And that's, well, that's a, yeah, go on. Because that's then, and that's kind of how I'm. I've been writing him. He's such a like. I was trying to explain this to Matt the other day because Matt, Matt said recently that uh, writing for Marvel is like uh, being in a cover band or writing uh, cover songs. Yes, I saw that quote. Go on. Uh, performing covers, and I actually I feel like working for Archie is more like that. Because, Interesting. Because the, the characters are so cemented. Like each each Archie character is like an archetype unto themselves. Right. Nothing changes there. Like you can you can create the illusion of change, but it will always come kind of come back to the the core of all those characters. And there's not a lot introduced outside. There's not a lot of like I said change. Uh, whereas Marvel things do change. Like I, I feel like writing books for Marvel is like being in a cover band where. Uh, you have to use the instruments that are popular right now, which may not be the ones you necessarily grew up playing. Uh, and also, the drummer is changing the beat every once in a while. Like there, there's more, there's more tumult, there's more happening with Marvel. So it's not it's not as straightforward as just kind of like going in and kind of putting your spin on things because the things change at Marvel, uh, whereas Archie they don't. I mean, there, there's, there's, like, obviously right now with, like, uh, Mark and Fiona's Archie and now mm-hmm. Eric and my, myself on Jughead. They're, they're different books uh, than the originals, but not by a lot. No. You know? I, but, I agree. Go on, and then I'll, then I'll tell you what I see. But, yeah, no, I, mean, I, I, I keep stepping at you, please. No, 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 that's, that's essentially it. Like, it's... it's uh, Archie and Jughead are kind of the easiest kind of books in my mind to write because the characters are already in your head. Like it's so easy to sit down and write and what Veronica is going to say and what Jughead's going to say, what Moose is going to say. Right. You know, if I just, if I just gave you a scenario and I said, okay, these three characters are in it, uh, write, write a two page story. Like your dialogue would be probably spot on. Like you're not gonna, you're not gonna, 
you're not going to like lose your way with those characters because if you any if you're anyone like like me where you grew up reading them and they're just like they're burrowed into your brain. Whereas a lot of time with Marvel characters, like it, it changes over the years. Like now everyone yeah, writes yeah. Tony Stark as if is Robert Downey Jr. True. You know. Absolutely no, and and we yeah definitely a little more snide and and a uh, little little wackier than he was back in the day. But it's I was and the reason why I asked you like uh, is it is it that Jughead is the smartest guy in the room or it felt like to me because I'm a longtime Archie reader back mm-hmm. in the day. Although like you were saying about He Man, I didn't I don't necessarily go back that often, and my fuzzy memory told yeah. me that Jughead was more lucky. Then and I and that's what I couldn't figure out was it, and, and I'm, I appreciate your answer because I do think it adds a little more depth if it wasn't already there. But to me, Jughead always seemed to be karmically lucky to be at the right moment and right place at the right time. To, yeah, where shit would work out for him, and he just shrug it off as, "Yep, there you go." Later. Yeah, there, there's an element, there's an element of that because he's a Zen character too. Yes. It's yeah. Exactly. Kind of. Kind of Kind Let's of, the world happen. He flies his own kind of freak flag. Yep. yep. With, his, with his weird hat and his, you know, doesn't care about yeah. the ladies and or the men. Like he just kind of goes his own way and observes it all from a distance. And yeah, I, I think I think that kind of Zen style character lends itself to luck, or at least the illusion of luck. So yeah, right. Yeah, that makes yeah, sense. They, no, but I like I want. <laughs> I don't want I don't want to influence this. I want, yeah, I like, I kind of like too that. Yeah, part of it is that he is the smartest guy in the room, and I and I like that. That's kind of what you're showing in this story yeah. right now too. So no, this is uh, this is great. You know, uh, Brubaker has always talked about retiring and writing Jughead stories. I and that was his. I will tell you right now. I have like I've talked to Ed about Jughead, and because like, I've I've known this for years that he's like he would write Jughead. And yes. he's he's now you know a little bit Mr. Hollywood, but um, you know I'm I'm trying to convince him I'm trying to convince Archie to like to get him on board to uh, to to jump in on Jughead because you know I I I can't do it forever or maybe I would do half an issue and like he could do the other half but yeah yeah that's hilarious yeah nothing nothing's nothing's happened yet but I've got people talking so yeah I think that'd be amazing he already kind of did. Jughead and Archie. True. Well, that's true. In, in Criminal, yes. He yeah. Did. Yeah, which is unbelievable. Yes, absolutely. Well, yeah, it's very, it's very dark, and that's why it's like I can appreciate that, but I'd yeah. also like to see him just do just some traditional Jughead and everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it'd be a lot more traditional than mine. I think he's, I think he's probably more of a Jughead purist. <laughs> it's true. So, is is the uh, was the device of of doing these these kind of side stories as well within the story? Is that you know, is this something you wanted to bring or like you know, did this occur to you? Did editorial say you know, beyond the straight story, like maybe have a little fun? Uh, well, I knew that uh, Mark and Fiona's Archie was going to be more grounded in reality, mm-hmm. and I didn't want the Jughead series to feel too much like it doesn't belong to that reality, you know, like, sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's not like, you know, the tightly knit shared universe concept of like Marvel or DC, but you still want it to be part of the family. Definitely. But I also, I grew up reading, um, the fun alternate universe tales of Archie. Yes. Like yes. super teens and, you know, of, you know the man from Riverdale, 
Yes. I love those. I love those uh, stories so much. And so I wanted to find a way to incorporate those into the book without breaking the reality of the book. And it seemed like a a fantasy or dream sequences um, to kind of like help solve whatever real life dilemma he's having uh, was the way in for that. I don't know how long, like I'll continue it. Like it's, 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 uh, it's in the first six issues. Um, But yeah, yeah. I I felt like, you know, I was, I was pretty happy with the idea. Uh, It's like having my cake and eating it too, you know? Absolutely. No. And you're right. Those are the fun kind of side stories of Archie that were always exciting. And God, I remember, um, and I know that they mentioned it. um, They had a collection of Halloween stories and there was that one really great story where uh, Betty was possessed by a teddy bear. They went to like this crazy mansion (laughs) and, and for real, like Betty was going to throw herself off a cliff. It's, it's a really like, creepy Archie story. It still maintains Archie. Yeah. Uh, do you know the one I'm talking about? It's from the no, early 70s. no. That sounds amazing. It's fantastic. And yeah, you know, uh, uh, Balthazar was trying to think of like, what's a good Archie story? I'm like, dude, do you remember this story? And we found it online. And I know it, I've seen it on blogs and stuff like that. Wow. But yeah, it's, it's crazy. No, it's great. And that's the cool thing was that Archie would go to these weird little places. And there was that Archie uh, kind of ghost story uh, comic that yeah. I remember even from the seventies and stuff like yeah. that. Were, were you reading uh, the life with Archie, the future stories that they were doing? The, Oh, like the, uh, the, where they split off into the separate yeah. universes. Yeah. Um, I, I read a couple of them, but so what kind of pulled me back into Archie was the afterlife with Archie book. Sure. Yeah. The zombie book. Yeah. 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 That was like, <laughs> like at first it was kind of upsetting, because like it was like two years ago when sex criminals just come out and uh, we were just like you know and this isn't like a, a brag thing but we were on like a bunch of like top top new series lists and like all these like blogs are like oh yeah this is this is the best new series of the year um, uh, side by side with Afterlife with Archie I was like Afterlife with Archie like what the f- <laughs> Are you telling me the Archie people just put zombies in their Archie book and it's it's in the running for best new series <laughs> like alongside us? I was just like I was upset and then I went out and I bought it and I read it and I loved it. It's so good. Yeah, it is. It's fantastic. Yeah, like the the stuff Archie does now where they're just like let's throw it at the wall, see if it sticks. Like why not? Like they've got I, the characters and they're so adaptable. Um because of the core kind of archetype character of, of, of it all, like you can get away with having Archie in space, zombie Archie, superhero Archies. Like, yeah, it's pretty, pretty outstanding. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's kind of a shame that, um, and I, and I think DC is starting to embrace that again by bringing things like Batman 66 out. But, you know, there was a time when you could do that with Batman, and some people mm-hmm. really just shit on that 50s and pre-Carmine Infantino 60s Batman yeah. that had all the, uh, the sci-fi in it and all the, like, goofy sci-fi of the 50s and things like that. And it's like, no, man, because like you just described with, with the Archie cast, that yeah. is the great thing. I just talked to Alex DeCampi about the Archie Predator yeah, uh, exactly. series. 
And and truly, I mean, that's that's the thing. Or even the life with Archie that had the future uh, stories. Yeah, it was like this great soap opera. Yeah, both both realities. And I, you know, I mean, God, I told I told uh, Segura and uh, Alex Segura, who is uh, running the uh, the hero line at Archie, but is has been the PR guy for Archie for a few years now. Yeah, and also and and also John, um, the CEO. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, this is great. I'm like. It's I, I have not I, I really got reinvested in Archie because of life with Archie. Yeah. And and you're like you say, you, you can't because it's it's like Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Mickey Mouse is the same thing, and that's why Mickey and the Sky Pirates work. Or some of those other adventure or the ghost stories that they did with Mickey Mouse and stuff. Yeah. It's like, no, these characters, you know them. By all means, it is interesting to put them in a, a strange environment and see what happens. So no. that's that's terrific. So it's funny though, like I've never really, I've never been a Mickey Mouse man because I do not see that as actually having much of a character. Like Bugs Bunny, all the Warner Brothers stuff, I think you could do, you could do more with those characters because those all feel like actual characters. But like Mickey Mouse, what is Mickey Mouse? Like what's oh, he's thing? a tough. Oh, he's a tough fighter. No, no, he's he's. You know, honestly, you got to see more of the '30s and '40s Mickey cartoons because you're right. Yeah. Because he became he became too big. So I would even say really the '30s and also like uh, Mickey Mickey and the Pirates, which was kind of a parody of Terry and the Pirates from the '30s. Yeah. Um, when it was Mickey's, I'm guessing. I'm trying to think now. I think it was his 50th anniversary back in the late '70s. Um. I got a Mickey Mouse 50th anniversary soft cover book and it had the full run of Mickey and the Pirates and Peg Lake Pete was the bad guy and it it worked and no Mickey was Mickey's the scrappy you yeah. know Mickey's the Mickey's the bugs without the wise ass yeah. side yeah. and 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 Donald is Daffy and Goofy is you know Goofy's kind of goofy which is awesome I mean you know yeah, cuz yeah. he's not really Porky and Goofy are not really like you know linked in that way or anything, but that's the thing, no. And especially you put the three of them in something, it's interesting. And 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 Minnie was you know unfortunately it was back when Minnie would probably just be window dressing. She'd be a sexy yeah. lamp yeah. in uh, Kelly yeah, exactly. in Kelly Sue's world. Sadly. Sexy lamp, Minnie Mouse. I don't think yeah. I think she'd be flattered to be called a sexy lamp. Let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that said, uh, no. I mean that's the thing. So yeah, I, I think if you watch if you watch and read the really older stories and stuff like that. Now, Mickey's Mickey's a tough little, yeah, he's a tough, he's a tough guy without being a stinker the way uh, Bugs is. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can see it. I just, I don't think it really translated uh, into the later years. Like once he just, once he just became a mascot, he was just like a mascot. Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't really, he wasn't super mischievous. He wasn't really a big fighter or scrapper. He was just kind of like so generic by the time. Oh yeah. Well, he's in a suit. Yeah, he's holding. He's he's sitting. He's standing next to Grandma just as much as he is the four-year-olds and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. no, I get it. No, you're right about it. no. Well, you know something. That's hey, you know maybe Marvel needs to put an Archie-style <laughs> kick in the past pants to the to the Disney characters. I should Are you say, watching? Uh, I, I should I should not I should not be trashing Mickey Mouse since I'm technically you know. I uh, signed your checks, Mister. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like what he said on Word Balloon. Somebody oh. do something else. Uh, Mr. Mouse, this is the legal department. Don't worry. We're on it with Mr. Zadowski. Don't worry. Bring me his uh. balls. <laughs> no, Mickey, no. I fucked him up, didn't I, Pluto? <laughs> <laughs> this is a side thing. I, uh, my, my biggest concern to Mickey Mouse is uh, when my best friend had a, a kid, 
um, uh, when she was old enough to kind of be a bit of a pain in terms of like eating her vegetables. Okay. Uh, he'd always tell her like, if you eat your vegetables, um, Mickey Mouse will call and, and congratulate you. And so I was Mickey Mouse. So at any moment in like the early evening, I would have to be ready to receive a phone call to be Mickey Mouse to congratulate this girl on eating her vegetables. And I swear to God, like almost every single time I was on a bus. <laughs> so I'd just be on a crowded bus coming home from work and I would just have to be like, Oh boy, I'm so proud of you. Just like <laughs> telling this kid how great she was for eating her vegetables. Everybody would just stare at me like it was a madman. Maybe that's why I don't like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Fucking Mickey Mouse. Yeah. I can appreciate that. That's all right. Well, well, uh, I, uh, no, honestly, man, Jughead is great. I mean, two oh, issues in, I, I really enjoy it. And so tell me about working with your artist. Oh, she's fantastic. Um, yeah, she is. Uh, I, I, it, it's, it makes me so happy in so many different levels. Like one, I'm such a huge fan of Squirrel Girl, and uh, and two, Ryan North is like a really good friend of mine because he's a Toronto guy, and so to be able to steal her from him just brings me so much joy. <laughs> <laughs> Even though she is working on both books simultaneously, which is crazy. Wow. Um, yeah, I don't know how she does it. I think, she, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how much longer she can do that for. She's only going to be on like Jughead for maybe three issues, and she she was enjoying it enough to stick around for the first arc at least. So uh, that's pretty great. It's really so, uh, like because like part of my hesitancy with uh, even like pitching on the job was I'm almost forty. Like, should I be the guy? Um, reinventing a character for the kids of today. <laughs> like, and so uh, having Erica along, who is much younger than I am and much more in tune with with the kids, um, yes. <laughs> uh, I don't have to worry as much about, like, what what should the kids be wearing in the scene? Like, Erica knows. She's, she's much better at that than I am. Like, if I was drawing it, all the guys would just have mullets and trench coats and wearing plaid. Like it's just, it would be a terrible idea. Grudge, grudge yeah. head. Yeah, but also like she's it. she's young enough that she remembers different things from Archie. So like issue two um, uh, was originally just going to be like a kind of a sci-fi pastiche, and as soon as I told her that, she was like, "Well, why don't you just make a time police?" I'm like, "Well, so what's time police?" And then I had to do some research. I'm like, oh yeah, Time Police came out when Erica was a kid. I didn't know about I didn't know about that either. I thought that was an original idea that you no, were doing. No, no, it was it was its own series, and in, it was an Archie series. Yeah, in the '90s, Jughead's Time Police. Wow! Like all the all the same stuff, like January McAndrews, Archie's descendant, the <laughs> the, the the beanie crown that was like the time travel device. Like That's it was, fantastic. it was a weird, weird series, and like I'm so thankful Erica like remembered that and wanted to draw it because, because uh, it it helps it helps me with the kind of the generational gap that I may have uh, in my knowledge. That's so, fantastic, man. Yeah. Oh, now I'm even more intrigued. Do you yeah. know who wrote, who wrote those original stories? Did, did you know? Oh my god, I don't remember the writer, but you know what? I think it's Gene Colan that was that drew them. Wow. Oh, I wish yeah. I had known. Yeah. Oh, 
I got to talk to Gene a few times before yeah. the past. Before. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, because I remember he was coming doing a double take, and I had no idea. I had no idea that's what he was doing in the 90s. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I love what you guys, truly, what all of you are doing with the new direction. But that said, God, I, I loved what Bray Fogle was doing on Life with oh, Archie. Yeah, I love yeah. that. I love that Milgram, Al Milgram, the wonderful yep. Marvel anchor, was you know working at Archie. I don't are they? St- I don't even know how much they're still doing or not. Yeah, because I know that Archie too is a leaner operation than it was a couple years ago. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it's, I don't know. it's better now than I think it was a couple of years ago. But uh, but yeah, they're 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 a tiny company. I, yeah, I'm, man. I was a huge Bray Fogel fan. Yeah, absolutely. Stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I uh, I have uh, I have a Batman original that he did for me and a mm. Superman original that he did for me. Man. I love them. They're on my they're on my uh, apartment walls. So jealous. Great artist, and I hope he uh, continues to recover and uh, gets yeah. his uh, gets his art back. Man, gets his art uh, chops back. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I've, I've seen I've seen his old Batman stuff. It's kind of pop up recently here and there. Like I think a lot of people are starting to kind of look back on them. Like, oh yeah, that was pretty awesome. I also think, and I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that this was the motivation on DC's part too. But yeah, it seems like they're reprinting a lot of his stuff in, in hardcover and trade again. Yeah. And yeah, I hope, and I hope that gets him. Yeah. I hope that gets him some royalties and, yeah. you know, helps him out while he's recovering and everything. No, yeah. it's uh yeah, that was, that was sad and tough and yeah, I'm a big fan. So I hope he comes back. Yeah. Yeah. It makes, me, makes me very grateful to be in Canada too. And like a story like that happens. I'm like, Oh my God, like the hospital bills, like I can't even wrap my mind around it. No, I, I, I absolutely agree. I yeah. uh, I, w- I want to transition to Howard the Duck, though. Sure. Because, um, again, you know, I don't remember, with with few exceptions like the the original Defenders crossover, I don't remember how often Howard really got to play in the in the proper Marvel universe during the classic run. You know what? There, re- there, were, there were bits and pieces there. Like, uh, when you premiered, there was like a... Spider-Man guest appearance. I think it was like kind of probably mandated. Like, yeah, yeah, our first issue of this. That's true. You'll have to have Spider-Man in there. So yeah, that makes sense. That sounds like Marvel in the seventies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's also kind of why I put Spider-Man in the first issue of of our run of Howard as well. Um, yes. But yeah, there, there'd be some strange things like like Ringmaster was also a villain that popped up there, which is why I used him. And, oh uh, yeah. yeah, I remember that. Yes, yes. Probably my favorite uh, guest appearance by a Marvel character is in a Howard issue, in which Daredevil just like accidentally goes through like a portal to where Howard is, and like kicks a guy, and then goes back through a portal. Like it's just like <laughs> <laughs> I'd like I'd, I'd love. I'd love to hear the story behind that, like whether or not somebody above said, you got to put Daredevil in this. He's like, all right. <laughs> was that, was that during Colin's run? Um, I don't know if, I think it was Colin. Yeah, I think so. Oh, probably. Yeah, yeah. I'm wondering if, yeah, that just sounds like it was, you know, Gene's chance to, you know, throw him back in there. And I, I don't know if Gerber was scripting back then or not. Yeah. Yeah. It was definitely a Gerber issue. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. Maybe oh. it was then. Yeah. There's a guy. My God. Oh. I mean, how how much how, how much Gerber and Colin or just Gerber solo did you? Because there was you know certainly his Man Thing run where Howard of course sprang from. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, how much how much how much of the old stuff did you go through before taking this on? You know what? It's it's a much easier gig 
doing Howard than it would be doing Spider-Man because the Howard back catalog isn't that deep. True. Like, yes. Like I, I basically, <laughs> yeah. Like when I was pitching on it, I have all pretty much all the old magazines. Okay. Um, my uncle, fantastic. my uncle gave them to me a few years ago because whenever I go to his house as a kid, I would, I would read them. Um, uh, and I have like kind of, uh, a few issues here and there of the original run. Uh, my uncle did not give those to me. He kept those for himself. But, uh, yeah, but the omnibus, like, I, I picked that up and got right back into it. And yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, as soon as it stops being Gerber, I basically kind of, I think, like, that's where I tap out. Sure. On it. Um, and I try in my run to not necessarily undo stuff that, happened in issues that he wasn't involved in, but like, like I never referenced duck world. Okay. Because Gerber's original idea was that we never see the planet, how it comes from. And that in his mind, it was just a planet full of anthropomorphic animals, just like living their lives. Um, and duck world was the thing that happened like almost immediately after he was fired off Howard. So, so it's stuff like that. Like, I was kind of hoping, like, Secret Wars, I could just kind of like, hey, can we change all this since we're doing some sort of reboot thing? And they're like, well, it's not a reboot. I'm like, oh, okay. I'll just go back over here and keep writing. That was my entire uh, Secret Wars conversation. Well, you're, yeah, you're... Yeah, because, I mean, you really, I mean, obviously, you've got the full first arc and everything, you yeah. know, before this new issue one happened. But, um, yeah, you're picking up, obviously, where you left off. And um, that's and certainly where things are at the end of issue one uh, look interesting. Speaking of anthropomorphic, uh, <laughs> yeah. easy, for you, yeah. easy for you to say. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that, and, and obviously, am I right? Am I recognizing a character from uh, Scotty's uh, Rocket Raccoon run there? Nope. You're wrong. Oh, okay, good. Even more interesting. Fantastic. Uh, it's all revealed this week, actually, because issue two comes out tomorrow. Um, oh, man. Uh, Veronica Fish is a guest artist on it. Um, and she's, she's doing artsy stuff right now. And I met her okay. at like, Heroes Con a couple years ago, and her stuff was fantastic. Um, and it's, it's a weird, weird issue. It's all about those two characters. Um, Shocket and Linda are their names. And it's uh, it's a full issue where Howard appears in only one panel, and there's almost no jokes in it. So I don't know how it's going to go over. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it's 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 an issue that I've been planning since the beginning. Like my original pitch basically had it kind of building up to this, and uh, yeah, I'm a little nervous actually. I'm probably not going to sleep well tonight. No. No. Yeah, that's all right. No, no, no. No, I know, yeah. but I, I, I rarely sleep before something comes out. Really? Yeah, I, God, dude. Because I, because I always, I know, especially now that I'm doing too many books, it's a bad thing. But I always feel like this is where the wheels come off. You know, like everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, yeah, wait a second, we hate this guy." Oh no, no, no. It's, I understand, Chip, but no, no, no. Don't it's always there. It's God. always there. Oh, well, I'm always available for analysis if you need to sit down and stuff like that. I'm or re- at the very least reassurance because yeah, 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 that's all right. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah. You're doing you're doing good. No, you're doing really good. And no, I mean honestly. Well, and I'm interested too. Um, like, and you mentioned this about Archie as well. But uh, real fast back to to Jughead. Like, 
what kind of response are, are you seeing a response at the cons? Because I know the sex criminals crowd. Yeah. I mean, I, first of all, I can never, the only time I get to talk to you in, at a convention is if we happen to be walking at yeah. the same moment, because yeah. otherwise I, 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 God bless you, man. No, that's great. You got ridiculous lines winding around that, you know, start at 10 in the morning and don't stop until they close the floor. Congratulations yeah. on that. That's fantastic. But, um, yeah, so, like, are kids responding to Jughead? Yeah. I mean, I've only kind of done the one big show since Jughead came out. I, I did the New York. Yeah. Um, and I, I basically just I was at the Archie booth exclusively for that show. So, yeah, I got, to, oh, wow. I, got, I got to see it kind of all over again. Like, there's still, like, crazy lineups um, because Erica was there as well. Um, yeah, and the reaction was great. Like, again, you know, I, I was worried about it, but I really enjoyed the first issue writing yeah, it. Man. So I kind of, I felt like people would enjoy reading it. And yeah, yeah, it's been pretty, pretty universal, which feels great. Um, in, you know, I, I know a few kind of kids and, you know, I've managed to get the book into their hands and they like it as well. So it's like, that's kind of the test right there. Like you want to make something that the kids will like and the adults can read as well. Like a, like a, Pixar, you, like a Pixar movie, you know, you want the adults no, to still be able to like enjoy it on, on another level. I, I've got my focus group of uh, my two nephews who are, you know, 22 and, uh, and 19. Yeah. And I, and I, and I go to them all the time with uh, my podcast and my ideas and what do you guys think? And they're, they're great, and I yeah. want to. And I'm always like, "Hey, man, don't no, be brutal, man. It's okay. You can tell me that." Nah, like so. Yeah, and they are, and that's good. And I'm like, "All right, that's cool." So that's yeah. excellent. And how about Howard? Because you know, Howard again is a sweet spot character for people my age and younger, obviously. Yeah. And, uh, but only, but 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 I would say that same kind of you know between my generation and your generation, I think, as far as the meat of the appeal of the character. Yeah, yeah, like it's. It's interesting because I have a lot of people who just know of him from the movie. Okay, the book, sure. And, sure. And then didn't even realize that he was a Marvel comic before. And then there are like the older fans that like, you know, uh, grew up reading Gerber's Run and Mantlo. Um, and yeah, I was I was really worried about it just because out of out of any kind of Marvel property, Howard is so so associated with Steve Gerber, his yes, creator. Sir. Yep. Um, and you know, there was like, there are lawsuits and problems and yes, they, they, <laughs> I they, remember them all. Absolutely. They sorted out to the point that Gerber came back and, and yeah. wrote Howard yeah, the after, next series. after they settled. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which kind of uh, alleviates a little bit of guilt in, on my conscience. Um, so yeah, I was, I was, I was I was worried about kind of reaction from people uh, with it, but again, it seemed pretty positive, and that shows like a lot of people are coming up to me with the book and telling me they enjoy it. Like the fact that they're just they're happy to be reading a book that makes them laugh, um, that doesn't take itself too seriously. Uh, it's a it's a tricky thing because like I, I like I was saying before how I like kind of would defend kind of Gerber's vision. Uh, to Marvel with regards to like stuff that came kind of after him. I'm also a thing that came after him. So I always have to take that into account. Um, And I'm trying not to be Gerber light, you know? Understood. Yeah. I I think, I think when, 
like I know he didn't like anything that came after him. I think he I think he found one one issue of one story that he enjoyed uh, of of a Howard run. Um, so I didn't want to try to emulate him because I know I just come up pretty short. Uh, so the kind of the main thing I took from him was the original Howard run was like satirizing a lot of 70s and 80s culture. Um, uh, And so what's big in culture now are the comics, the Marvel movies, the DC movies, like it's everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) So for me, the, the kind of the, the, the obvious end to the character that kind of paid some sort of tribute to Gerber, but also stayed away from trying to emulate him was to put Howard in New York and just have him be surrounded by these Marvel characters. So he could make fun of them. He could bounce off of them um, and just make it feel like there's too many characters, really. Like wherever he goes, he runs into these characters, which is kind of how it feels walking down the street now when there are like countless comic book adaptations happening uh, across all different types of media. (laughs) I'm I'm flipping through issue five as we're talking about this. And yes, that's exactly the feeling that you get. And, and yeah. And well, and also, um, no, I think, I think that is the great way to approach it. This again is Matt's cover band argument. Yeah. And it's, I imagine this is something that you're trying to avoid and, and, you know, kind of make your own thing as much as you can within these parameters. Yeah. It's a, it's a funny thing. Like some readers want the characters to sound a very specific way and to not have the mark of the writer on it. Um, but there are some writers where you can't avoid that. Like if Warren Ellis is writing a book, it's going to sound like a Warren Ellis book. You know, if Matt's yes. writing a book, it's going to be a Matt Fraction book. And so, yeah, Ben Bendis is like that as well. Rucka to a degree, I think is like that as well. Yeah. 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 And so like, I know these runs of Howard are very kind of chip and Joe, like it has our feel to it. And whoever comes after us is going to be something, uh, something different, hopefully. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's such a weird gig. It's a weird gig. There's no that's not happening anytime soon, is it? Everything's you know, you guys are you guys are doing okay, right? Or no. <laughs> or, or no. <laughs> Here's where I announced the cancellation of Power of the Duck. No. Uh, <laughs> we were like I think there's us and the Squirrel Girl and I think we were the only two Marvel books that maintained the creative teams post Secret Wars. Fantastic. Like Absolutely. like every every other one they wanted to like oh, mix it Scotty. they wanted to mix it up. Oh yeah, yeah, Scotty. Um uh they wanted to mix it up and the fact that they kind of let us kind of keep going shows that they have confidence in the series and I think they're doing well number wise too. Like I know Howard debuted really high. Um I think it beat out like all the D C books of that month. It was like their convergence month or something. It was like a weird oh, yeah. blip and then like somehow Howard topped them. No, and, and, I, and I'm glad. It's just, it, it seems like Marvel's kind of front-loading, and it is that first issue that does well. Yeah. And then it's like, all right, well, you know, I also know, too, that, you know, everyone's ca- carefully counting numbers, and, you know, they're not going to be precious. So they're going to be precious about very few books. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's happened to Matt 
God, Matt and the Dodsons were doing a great defender series, and mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, sorry, the numbers aren't there. Yeah, we're done at twelve. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, okay, it, it, you know, it could definitely happen, but uh, um, I, I'm not. I try not to look at the numbers. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't want to. I don't want to cause a sleepless night or anything. Like no, that. no, no, because I, I don't. <laughs> Like I'll I'll leave the book before it ends. I'm pretty sure. Like, Interesting. Like okay, it's uh, I'm not going to be on it for 50 issues. Okay. Like there's okay. just not. Um, I don't think it. I feel like it's a bit of a disservice to stay on something like that for too long. Like I, I think I think people can sure. I think people should be able to dip into something like Howard the Duck, but I don't think anyone should ever go longer than Gerber. On the book, I would agree with that as well. Absolutely, well, that definitely that. But yeah. you know, uh, I I don't know if there's more than you know three arcs in you or whatever. And that's interesting. Are there other? I mean, and you're you're, none, you're under no obligation to answer that, unless you want to. I mean, I've got I've got tons of ideas for it, okay. um, uh, but I've also told Marvel that uh, basically as long as Joe's doing it, I'll do it. And Joe has kind of told them the same thing. Okay. Um, you know, we can have fill-ins here and there because Joe's now coloring his own work, so he's taking a bit longer. But uh, I, I, I find it hard to visualize a future where I would be doing Howard ongoing without Joe. Like he's such a huge sure. part of it at this point. I don't know. Maybe that's, that's naive. That, yeah. I'm sure that's totally naive of me because I've never actually done one of these books before. Um, but I hated it as a kid. Like nothing, nothing would like destroy my faith in humanity more than when uh, uh, an artist would leave the book, and then another artist would come on that was terrible, and you still want to read it because you like the writer, but you're just like, oh, why can't they just have the good artist on this book? Sure. Like I, I hate that feeling so much as a reader that um, that I, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to inflict that on a reader either. And it's not even necessarily bad artists. Um, it's just it's just different, and it changes the tone of the book completely. You know, I'm in the lucky position because Sex Criminals does well enough that um, both Jughead and Howard are books that um, I'm doing because I want to do them. Right. Like they're uh, they're fun. Like I love sitting down and writing them and meeting people at conventions and being kind of part of these worlds. Um, but I also recognize that that's a that's a limited thing for almost everyone. Like in in terms of like creators working on like Marvel and DC books. Like there's yeah. not, there's there's very few people that that have a satisfying end to that kind of career. Uh, I'm always just kind of like, oh, this is fun, but well, maybe it's time for me to go, and I'll do something else over here, and like, I don't know. Well, it's yeah, no, I, and no, I see that, and I, and I, obviously you've got your own things going, which is great. Yeah. But it, um, I was gonna, that was my next question in terms of, are there other Marvel or DC properties that you would like to eventually do? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, oh God, yeah, yeah. Joe and I have talked about that idea of doing, doing Fantastic Four. I'd love to do that. That'd be great. I'd love to see you on Fantastic Four. Yeah, that'd be so fun. But I, it doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon. I don't. They don't have a Fantastic Four book. Um, <laughs> That's, you know, yeah, coming out, I've yet. heard no word from anyone whether there would be one. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. There's there's a there's a thing where Rickon Howard's such a perfect kind of sweet spot where not a lot of people care. So I can kind of get away with stuff in it. Sure. Like, it's not like, you know, I to sometimes drive myself insane. I will uh, search at Dan Slot on Twitter to see what people are sending him. I understand. And I'm just like, I can't imagine working on a, a, a character like that at that level where you're never going to please everyone. Yes. And not only are you not going to please everyone, you will always have people that hate you that want yes. you to be fired. Like that's no, just a I, bad feeling. I, I, and there's nothing he can do about it. Dan's writing great books, but there'll always be like a, a section that'll be like, you know, why is, why is Peter Parker not the way I would write him? Yes. It's like, well, that's a crazy idea. Let him, let him write this book that you're clearly reading. And so, I yeah, so I, so yeah. I, always, I always think about that. Like think about like, you know, Matt, did X-Men and that came with like a whole world of uh, responsibilities that I don't think I would ever, ever in a million years be ready for. No, I understand that. I was looking up to see who your editor was on Howard and it's Will Moss. Will Moss, who is fan-fucking-tastic. He is great. Great. Uh, and it's one of those uh, situations where every note he gives me is a good one. Like, it's a note where I get, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. They're not like, tone this down or like, get rid of that. Like, they're not just like kind of willy-nilly notes, which, you know, I've heard stories over the years of like comic editors just kind of like making changes just to show that their job, you know, to to justify it in a way. Mm -hmm. And I've experienced that as an illustrator where art directors will do that. Sure. Absolutely. They'll just be like, they'll just ask for changes just so they can go, yeah, I'm an art director. I have asked for a change. Like, well, that doesn't actually, that's not a good change. So why would we do that? But Will is just like, yeah, he'll always go to bat for me. And he's like, yeah, he's such a delight to work with. So who's, who's the group editor that Will reports to? I guess Tom. Tom, okay. I mean, I don't really know the kind of, the hierarchy, the hierarchy at yeah. Marvel, but I think I think almost all okay. books kind of get run by Tom. Like Howard number yeah. one of the first volume, you know, there'd be emails that would involve Axel, Tom, Will, and his assistant editor at the time, John. Okay. So yeah, I mean, there's a, there's always an intense focus on an issue one, and that was the one that took the longest. But after that, it, it seems to be, yeah, I deal directly with Will, and once in a while, Tom will chime in. Mm-hmm. And Tom is is more of like a like a continuity guy, sure. In terms of his chiming in, like he'll be like, "Well, I don't think Galactus would say that many words. <laughs> Galactus isn't known <laughs> to be a a guy who Purpose. talks a lot. Yeah, that's true. That's like talking to ants. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Especially Howard. Yeah. Galactus and Howard. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. That's so where... so it's like so it's it's usually notes <laughs> like that. I think. I know Ryan North on Squirrel Girl, it's kind of the same for him. Like, he deals with Will, and once in a while, Tom will tell him, uh, Galactus really shouldn't speak that much to Squirrel Girl. Why are you doing that? (laughs) 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 I think that's, yeah. And and those are are fair notes. I I hear you, man. He's the caretaker of the characters, you know? 
No, I agree. Hey, yeah. man, I, I, my conversations with Tom, he see, you know, he seems like, yeah, like a good caretaker, yeah. and also a guy, and and I know this in the case of Axel that they that Axel doesn't get in the way of, you know, stuff that works, and yeah. uh, it, you know, I think that's great, and yeah. also um, that the fact that you've got this opportunity, like you say, and that's why I was wondering who was the editor, and, and that it's Will, because Panicia seemed to be that kind of editor too yeah. of. The fringe books like Agent of Atlas or Superior Foes of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. And those are like those are the areas that, you know, really the ambitious Marvel guys got to really kind of like find out. Squirrel Girl certainly is one of those books as well. And and Rocket is one of those books as well um, where you find, oh, this is going on and yeah. nobody's watching. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And you guys get to have more fun and, and really play as opposed to the big characters in the big books that really are kind of unfortunately tied to, all right, well, whatever, whatever this event is that's coming, that's coming up where Sam Wilson is kissing lady Thor. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and like, and you know, that. once in a while you'll get a note, like we all, we all got notes in Marvel that says in an issue, Sam Wilson has to be kissing lady Thor. <laughs> so for the month of December in every Marvel comic, no matter if it fits the story or not, you're not, you're not serious. Oh, I wish, God, I wish that was a real memo. God, I wish that was a real memo. That'd be awesome. That'd be so funny. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be great to just like find out like that something's coming up in a Marvel book and then just sneak it into Howard before it happens. Oh yeah. That big yeah. reveal where like they're dating. Oh yeah. They're dating in Howard. So it's no big deal. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, the, uh, get in here. Who told who told Zanarski he could do that? Yeah. I didn't know. I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so 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 far my Marvel experience has been great because like I'm totally under the radar. I'm just like this weird Joker that kind of come in and they they've been letting me do pretty much what I want. Uh, and I think Orion feels the same way on uh, on Squirrel Girl as well. Yeah. Like his his issue with Squirrel Girl versus Galactus is. Uh, one of my favorite comics of all time. It's so good. It's so smart and funny. And even the editor, even Will Moss said to me, he's like, no offense to the good work you've been doing, but that issue is my favorite that I've ever worked on. Oh, fuck. I'm going to have to start writing, <laughs> read Squirrel Girl. Right? Oh, my God. It's so good. It's so good. No, it's hey, it's hey, jam-packed and fun. And um, yeah, I'm... I'm we're doing a crossover too. Oh, that's great! When is that uh, starting? Uh, it starts in two, three months. Um, yeah, because like it's the situation where Ryan and I are really good friends. And we're in Toronto, and I kind of had an idea for a crossover, and then we both got emails from Joe and Erica saying, "Hey, you know, we live really close together, and we're really good friends. We'd like to do a team up book." I'm like, "Oh my oh, god!" Wow. So it worked out really, really well. Like. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, and Marvel's letting us do it. They won't let me call it Secret Wars 2. <laughs> Which is really upsetting to me because I really like the idea of branding it nice and big. Secret Wars 2. But no, nope, they're not letting us. <laughs> that's awesome, man. No, yeah. I, well... And that's I was I, I wanted to know because yeah I don't want I don't want to see you leave right away. No, no, I'm, I'm definitely not leaving right away. All right, good deal. And also, yeah. you know, the fact that uh, 
that you and Joe have other ideas and other and other things to that you want to pursue Marvel wise. Because I mean, yeah. dude, that's a, like, God forbid, like you know, hey, if if you know, push comes to shove, and obviously the creator own books need more time, and obviously are are doing well enough mm-hmm. that you should spend more time on them. You know, hey man, run, go, yeah, absolutely, yeah. congratulations. But it just it seems like. Because um, it also seems like because of your success with sex criminals, you didn't necessarily need a Marvel book. No, no. It, okay, or, ju- so, or Jughead for that matter. So, you know, that's great. The way it actually works out is, and this sounds like a really stupid thing to say, but it's true that working on books that aren't sex criminals loses me money. Wow. Like, because, because, like, I know, like, if I can do, like, two pages of Sex Criminals versus doing a script for Howard, like, financially, it makes more sense to do those two Sex Criminals pages. So, so, so an issue of Howard will take me, like, say, four days, four long days to write. So, I could do, like, three Sex Criminals pages in that time, and it's like, well, yeah. Yeah, my girlfriend would would probably prefer if I just worked on sex criminals. But the the other books are so much fun that it's not like I'm like I'm not losing money. Like Marvel is paying me for these jobs, but you know the smart business thing would be to just work on sex criminals. But I think that way kind of lies madness. Yeah, well, and also I just you know it it's almost a nice insurance policy to show that you can that you have these other strengths as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not thinking of it in those terms. Like, it's, like, pretty much any job that I'm doing now is, will I enjoy this? Like, is it... And then Matt gave gave me good advice for that, too. Like, you know, I kind of talked about my workload and, like, you know, books I'm doing, and Matt was like, well, here's the the thing. Are you enjoying what you're doing? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, are you proud of what you're doing? I'm like, yeah. He's like, well, then you keep doing it. As soon as either of those things change, that's when you know it's time to leave. I'm like, oh, okay, that. I mean, that makes total sense. Sure, it does. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and like working with Marvel's been great. Like, you know, DC. I don't. I don't know too many people there, um, and I've had a couple of meetings here and there. But uh, but you know, a lot of it just kind of come down to time. Sure. Um, like like to even begin like a pitching process because that's that's a whole thing too like taking a week to come up with a, a pitch on a book is like oh you know where where do I fit that into the schedule there is one book at Marvel that I'd really love to do that Joe and I have talked about and it's entirely based on our depiction of Spider-Man and Howard and it's called Inconsolable Spider-Man <laughs> All I want is Marvel to give us our own Spider-Man book where Spider-Man is just sad all the time. (laughs) (laughs) He's constantly constantly screwing up and he's always sad. But yeah, I I don't know if that'll happen either. (laughs) Well, I can see you and I don't even know if like, A, you're thinking along these lines or not, but I could see you doing like a next wave or some sort of book where you're, you know, or like superior foes where you guys just kind of throw together a a random group of Marvel characters. Yeah. Story out of it. 
it's, it's, it's so funny you said next wave because I, I was actually, uh, I was talking to Nick Lowe at Marvel and I was just telling him like, like as a fan, like next wave was like my favorite book. I love fantastic. that book so oh, yeah. much, so much. Yeah. Yeah. If I had an opportunity to do something like that, like, yeah, again, it's like, it's too fun to not do. Right. You know, well, and I understand it. Yeah, I, I give it up to Stuart every time I see him and talk to him yeah. and stuff. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of my favorite things that he's ever done. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's the, uh, it. it's the, it's, it's the spiritual follow-up to the, uh, the Justice League books. The Bwahahas. Sure. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Bwahahas. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I love Absolutely. those books so much, too. Like, like... That's my favorite DC thing, and next oh, week may be my favorite Marvel thing. Have you met Demattis on uh, on the uh, or Demateus? I always get I always get it wrong. He's going to kick me when he when he sees me. That's why uh, we just that's why we just call the books the, the blah ha ha books. Cause well, we, that's what we're all, too, we're all afraid to say his name. <laughs> no, no I, Mark, Mark is awesome. He is such he's a great guy. Oh, you haven't had a chance to meet him yet. Okay, I, I've, I've I've never met. JM, I've never met. Um, I've never met Keith Giffen. Giffen, or you yeah. know, and it's funny. I just met McGuire at the Cincinnati show this yeah. year. Oh yeah, and he yeah. Was, could not have been nicer. Great guy, and uh, Giffen. Giffen's a good guy, but Giffen is really tired of, I think, my generation, and just keeps his distance now. He was very sweet, and he's just tired. Does not want to be interviewed. Does not want to be bothered if he can avoid it, well, and especially at cons. And I'm just like, dude, I'm just saying hello. Take it easy. <laughs> I'll see you later. Well, it's and, because uh, he's a machine. Like, you know, yes. the, the output and the variety of work he's done. Like, Yeah, he's a genius. It's, no, it's mind-boggling. It's yes, mind-boggling. And Mark makes up for it because Mark could be sweeter. And again, Mark's like one of my heroes where it's like, I can't believe I'm talking to Jan Dematis and a guy that whose books I've loved for decades now. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, I mean, literally, I'm always like that cap episode or uh, issue that you did. Oh my god, yeah. 300 were he in the skull, you know, he in the red skull of the fight to the death. Oh my god. Oh god, they I was got better. I was just re- I was just rereading that, like maybe maybe two weeks ago. Because no kidding, I have, that's awesome. Man. I have such an intense memory of like those like three or four issues. Yes, just, me too, man. Let it go on. Terrifying me, just terrifying me as a kid. The 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 issue and the cover even had it. The, you know the classic moment where uh, Bucky dies on with the with the uh, drone. Oh yeah, and yeah. Like you know, and and it said like the caption was something like this time Steve Rogers you know has to face the worst moment of his life again. Yeah. And 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 in that virtual reality when he saves Bucky and they're both shocked and he's just like ridiculously happy. I can't believe it. I finally saved you. And then that. It's all fake, but I just wanted to give you a nice happy memory before we fight to the death. Oh God, yeah, I, oh. good shit, man. Just like oh, just that final moment. I, this is such a nerdy thing to say, but like that final moment where like like Red Skull reaches up to like Joke Steve Rogers' like withered old face and just like just gives him one last scratch. <laughs> just gives him a scratch. Yeah, as a kid, I was like. After reading that, I was terrified to touch my grandmother because I thought I thought that scene meant that senior citizens were so fragile that if you just like dragged your finger along your face, you just peel a chunk of them off. Oh, <laughs> just horrific! 
Just Fred Fox was that. That was Zach, wasn't it? Wasn't that Mike Zach? No, it was uh, Paul Neary. Oh, it was okay. Shame on me, Paul Neary. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so yeah. fucking cool. yeah, man. <laughs> no, and you know it's sad too because um, I uh, I don't I don't remember the details, and I don't even know if Mark really went into the full details, but um, he kind of had a disagreement with uh, editorial, and um, kind of walked away, and I think Carlin. Who was the editor at the time? Kind of finished the story for him, if I remember correctly. I was gonna say we like, about like it on a, yeah, we talked about it on one of my work balloons with uh, with Jam. Yeah, because because Grunewald followed like immediately after that, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's right. I think that's right. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I know, and I gotta say, I love Mark Grunewald. Wasn't a big Grunewald Cap fan. What's that? Sorry. I love Mark Gruenwald as a writer, but not on Cap. Wasn't a big fan of uh, Gruenwald's Cap. Oh no, I I, I loved it. I lo- I mean, I loved it until like. Like I think I was like yeah. I was aging out of it, right when it turned into like Cap Werewolf and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly, Cap Wolf. That's when we all jumped the shark. Exactly. It's but like, the, but the whole the whole thing of him like traveling across the country and like losing his like identity and the whole new Captain America stuff. I was like, and then Kieran oh, Dwyer. Oh, that's true. That was. Oh, you know, I did like that. And you're right, Kieran Dwyer. Yeah, Shame yeah. Kieran Dwyer blew my mind by like, getting to meet him that's years true. later and kind of. Uh, becoming friendly with them was like just like that was my first kind of like comic book nerd moment because those, those issues were just the best. That's right. That was you. That was when John uh, Walker was introduced, right? Yeah, yeah. And he was the and Cap was the captain. That's true. I did like. I, you're right, Cap. I guess Cap Wolf does kind of you know cloud that for me, but I, I had forgotten. I did read all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When Ronald Reagan was turned into a snake man, like that's what, <laughs> that's what comics do best. <laughs> So you even had him like, you know, his like, even had him like calling like Nancy Reagan mother, in it. Like, it was, like that's hilarious. Oh, like, I don't oh, remember mother, that. I need a glass of milk. Like, it's just like, oh, <laughs> even as a kid, I knew that was super funny. You're killing me, man. Well, now, now I got to ask, like, what are what are some other old like Marvel or DC runs that you were like, or actually even more interesting because, um, were there like. Charlton or any, I mean, I don't even know, like for first comics or Valiant or anything that was non DC or Marvel that you that you really enjoyed. Um, back when I was reading them, not yeah. really. The I'm trying to think. I was such a Marvel. I was a Marvel guy, and I convinced my little brother to be a DC guy so I could read the DC books. Sure. Sure, most brothers that I knew, it was one was a DC kid, one was a Marvel yeah. kid. And so then, he more comics, absolutely. And, and then at some point, I convinced my brother that to better safeguard the comics and the valuability, that he should keep them in my room. <laughs> so you can't be trusted. Yeah, I had all these Marvel and DC books, and my brother had nothing, but he kept buying the DC books to put in his box in my room. Just, just, just. How much younger was he? He was only like three, four years younger. Yeah, exactly. Well, there you go. That's perfect, man. Aw, yeah. good, good little brother, man. He looks yeah. up to you. That's right. <laughs> you yeah, took so advantage I, of you, bastard. That's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of did, like, I was mostly Marvel, and uh, I read a few DC books, and then, you know, I kind of had the, I kind of had the, the standard kind of, like, comics reading career where uh, by the time, by the time I hit... I was almost in college. I switched over to Vertigo because Vertigo started up. And I was like deep into Sandman, Hellblazer, all that stuff. Sure, sure. And then college hit, and I couldn't afford it. 
So I exactly. How you doing, everybody? Yes. <laughs> and then once I left college, that's when I got into kind of like drawing quarterly, kind of graphic stuff, uh, and then kind of back into kind of more vertigo-ish work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's that weird thing where like all of a sudden you go right back to the first stuff you read as a kid. Like I started, that's when I started like looking at Archie comics for their art. Because I just got out of art school and picking up like old Archie digests and seeing how masterful they were. That's terrific. Talk about that. Fantastic. Well, it's just, it's just, oh, the line work was so beautiful and like the the, the pacing and kind of the, the the inventiveness of some of the some of the the scenes. Like they were they were so well done. Um, and so, so you, I, you know, at that age, we start to appreciate like Jack Kirby stuff and like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of more, more of the classic stuff that I didn't necessarily get into as a kid. And yeah, and, and I, I, I kind of slowly got back in because of the Warren Ellis forum. Because, okay, interesting. Because well, I, I was doodling my own comics, but I wasn't really buying them and reading them because I was still kind of poor, and uh, and just like watching people talk about them, reading people go on about current books and like, you know, Matt and Kelly Sue in the early days and uh, mm-hmm. even like Kieran and Jamie. But um, Kelby, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And just, and just like this fun little community that kind of sprung up uh, kind of got me back into comics. That was the engine, right? That was his uh, message board community? Before that, before that, it was just the Warren Ellis oh. forum on the Delphi forums, which is like... Oh, nice. Late nineties, I guess, and then yeah, man, and then it changed to engine, and then uh, I forget what he followed that up with, but yeah, yeah, that was like that. That kind of got me back in, and even then, I wasn't buying a lot. Like I would read about them all the time. I was kind of like it was. It was like I was playing fantasy football, but with comics. (laughs) Like I, I knew all the players. I knew who was writing and drawing everything, and I knew all the storylines. But I wasn't actually going out and actively buying them. I understand. Sure. Like, so I was like the fantasy football guy who never actually watched the games, but he was still like <laughs> following all the, the stats. Yeah, and exactly. Absolutely, Red. Yeah, yeah. Hilarious. Yeah, and then You're the, su- the superhero version of DraftKings. I understand. That's great. <laughs> exactly. And then you, then I started getting into buying them, and then, uh, you know, really when I started doing sex criminals, that's when I, well, when I actively started going out and buying comics again because I wanted to see what was happening and, uh, and study what was on the stands. And, uh, and yeah, yeah. To what end? Uh, because I mean, your stuff, it, I mean, was it form that you were looking for? Because I mean, beyond obviously being interested in the, the heroes and stories that you used to read, but yeah, what were you looking for as far as what was going on on the newsstand? Um, to inform you, style, like like because there are definitely trends that kind of happen, and I kind of wanted to see if I had a place. Um, so like discovering like Chris Samney, you know, sure, I, 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 I started like seeing his stuff when I started doing Chris Criminals. I was like, oh yeah, like it's kind of like more kind of car- cartoon influence. Um, uh, but it's still like bold and dynamic and it still has the power of like these superhero books, but like, but with, uh, less need for, uh, insane, de- insane detail and stuff, you know? Okay. Um, sure. 
and and just his layouts are fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Him and uh, David Aja, like, like I just I, I love studying their work. You know. Sure. Absolutely. Um, so there's that, and also like because Sex Criminals was going to be done on an eight panel grid, that was kind of like Matt's idea. He really wanted that. Um, okay. I think his kind of point of reference may have been Dark Knight, which is a lot of times it's kind of broken up into like 16 panel. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, I ended up really getting back into Stray Bullets because that's all done on a very, very rigid eight panel grid. Yes, it is. I love, I love Stray Bullets. Absolutely. And I was super intimidated by it. Like that, that the, the idea of that grid because it's awkward. It's very awkward to figure out where to put your balloons because a lot of the panels are very wide and not necessarily tall unless they become like one sixteenth. Um, so I was studying that a lot when I started Sex Criminals, and now I'm just finding like working on a Marvel book. Uh, I'm I'm reading tons more from the company just to like keep up, but also I just I'm I'm being sucked back in, you know, like I'm, That's I'm, follow, I'm following you like a fan, like anyone else. Right. Sure. Is, yeah. you know, back in your prison, funny days and, and your, your indie, your pre sex criminals, indie work. Yeah. And I've asked this before of, of Canadian comic book people. What is the scene like for indie work up there? Um, crazy supportive. And That's what it's, it seems like. Cause yeah, you got like, it really does seem like, yeah, that that the what what is you know down in down in the the states considered alter, alternative comics. Yeah, it's it's almost a, a reverse. It seems. Yeah, yeah, like, and a lot of it like in Toronto, um, we have such a great comic shop here, the Beguiling. I've heard of that. Yes, please go on. Well, they're the ones that started TCAF. I didn't, I, yes, I had forgotten that they started it. Yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, they were the ones that I I went into with my, you know, my shitty printed first copies of Prison Funnies and asked if they'd carry it in consignment, and they would just they bought it outright, and they they prominently put it on their stands, and they represented me for my artwork, and they support tons of independent creators. Um, and they get books into libraries. Like they, they become like an industry into themselves. Like they're, they're, they're just fantastic people. And I've, I've been on again, off again, helping them with TCAF since it started, um, which itself, uh, is kind of this huge thing that sprang from their little shop. Uh, it's a comics festival that's free to go to and they bring in tons of great creators and it's in a beautiful uh, library space, and it's it's my favorite show. And so, like stuff like that happens in Toronto, and there's not a there's less of a division. I mean, there may have been back in the day. Um, you know, you have like Seth and Joe Matt, and Chester mm-hmm. Brown, and the, you know they have a very specific kind of style of books. And uh, and I don't think there was a lot of crossover between them and people that kind of work for Marvel or DC. But I think now there's more of that, like because most comic creators now in Toronto kind of do a bit of both. Like Ramon Perez, he's sure. in my old studio. Like my old studio is the um, uh, the Raid Studios, and there was four of us to start with. Now there's like 13 people in there, I think. 
Oh, that's crazy. Like it's okay. huge uh, with a variety of work. And so a guy like Ramon, he can do Hawkeye, but he can also do like Tale of Sand and he can do like Butternut yep. Squash. And um, yep. and you can have a career now doing a bit of everything. So I think that, makes, I think yeah. that makes it easier, especially in a, in a place like Toronto where we – we all kind of run into each other and get together and form studios together. That um, there's not a there's not a like a, a kind of a class division between right. between people and the types of work they do. Understood. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. No, and I mean that's that's why this period is so fascinating to me because you're right, it is happening that way, and that a lot of a lot of readers are demanding uh, specific, you know, things to change in comics, and it's like, well, the cartoonists are doing it themselves. If the yeah. publishers won't make those changes, the good news is the cartoonists are already doing it. So if you don't see what you like, and if you're loud enough, wait about a month or two, and you might hear a new announcement for a book of what you're looking for. Yeah. And uh, and I think that's great. And then also. I, I know this to be the case in Marvel, and that's why I was getting angry at some of the uh, like Marvel's not you know doing enough to be diverse and stuff like that. I'm like Marvel is like beating the doors of all these different art styles, and and is always more ambitious from an artistic standpoint. And thankfully, I think DC post convergence has at least made that effort, and I hope that sales sustain the 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 opportunities to continue yeah. because you look at a book and i can't remember gustavo's last name the guy who's doing bizarro with um with uh heath ledger or heath ledger <laughs> how you doing everybody yeah heath yeah. corson yeah of course not not heath ledger no he's dead sir yeah. uh you know <laughs> that shows you where my brain again like i told you man my, my mind is cottage cheese right now yeah yeah uh, but no, I mean, that's the great thing is that we are seeing finally some more distinct styles of art at DC. Yeah. I know Axel's always been a guy that has looked for crazy ideas for art at Marvel and stuff. And yeah. again, meanwhile, um, you guys on your own are, are you know, coming, you know, coming in with, with bolder art styles for adventure stories that weren't considered before. And I, and I think that's, that's great from uh, an adventure uh, hero kind of book. Yeah. And then also there seems to also be, you know, people want to follow, you know, they see a Sean Gordon Murphy on, you know, a book with Graham Morrison, and then they follow him to his creator own stuff. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's, it's, and you're getting stuff like that happening, or obviously yourself with what's been going on. Yeah. So. Yeah. And it, and it all depends on the books. Like, I don't think there's a lot of people going from Howard to sex criminals necessarily. I understand. But, right. But we are getting people going from sex criminals to Howard. Definitely. Well, so that's it's, cool. It's, yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting the way... Yeah, it all well, it all depends on the books, and it all depends on how you put yourself out there. And yeah, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, might... I'm fascinated by what Marvel is is doing right now uh, in terms of art styles. I'm I'm, I'm hoping to continue it, and I'm hoping Absolutely. DC picks up on it. Well, and I and I was going to say too, they may not um, they may not go to sex criminals, but they 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 might go to Coptara. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's well yeah I, I if Kagan had more time I'd love to just I'd love to get him on like Doctor Strange, get him to do Doctor Strange for a few months and like show sure, a man. whole show a whole new segment of comic readers his stuff and then bring them back to Captar as well. No, yeah, that would be great. And yeah, based on what I've yeah, he's got one of those styles where it's like he could totally do the superhero stuff and it would be wild and weird and different, you know. 
Absolutely. No. And I was going to say, yeah, you, you, I could see him doing, you know, Dr. Strange's uh, different dimensions yeah. and, and also the way you've been writing Dr. Strange and Howard and stuff. I, that's great, man. Yeah. I totally had a Dr. Strange pitch ready to go and then Secret Wars happened and I found Fucking out. Jason. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, you're just going to get the best writer in the business to do it instead? Oh, no, I get it. Oh, I get it. Don't get me wrong. I just had Jason on a couple of weeks ago, but no, and I, I, I would love is, to see you write him, man. He is so talented. It's like, it's, 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 it's insane. Like I was is, in, he's, he's the Willie Mays of comic books in terms of, you know, they always called Willie, I don't know, baseball analogies, but you know, yeah. five, like five tool player and stuff like that. He can do it all. He really can do it all. I was in the studio back in the day when, uh, when Cameron got the script for the other side. Yes, his war story, absolutely. Yeah, which was Jason's first first book. And like so the yep. script came in and Cameron's like, Oh, this Jason guy he's never he's never had anything published before and like Cameron read it and he's just like oh. he's like, I really like it. I don't I don't know. I don't know. And he passed it to me because he's like, read this, let me know what you think. And I hate reading comic scripts. Like if sure. I'm not working on it because I'm just like, oh, why am I reading a comic script? I want to read a comic. Uh, sure. And I remember just reading it and just afterwards being like, oh, my God, like, you've got to do this. This guy is so good. This is amazing. Exactly. Like, it was just like, like for a first comic script, it was like, you know, I'm sure there's stuff he, he may wish to have changed now. But like at the time, I was like, this has blown me away. Southern, Southern Bastard yeah. is just like, oh, yeah. I, I can't wrap my head around how great that book is. No, I agree, man. And I'm, I'm psyched. Well, I've already, I've the goddamn, uh, the first issue was fantastic. Yeah. And that's why I'm like a Bible comic. I'm like, all right, Jason, fine. <laughs> and I read it. I'm like, oh, fuck, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm sorry I doubted you, man. And it's Star Wars shit. Yeah. Meanwhile, meanwhile, yeah, let me, uh, let me give you Star Wars. Holy shit. No, he's, he can do anything. Jason yeah. can do anything. It's yeah. scary. And and I and he and Hickman at around the same time because I, I and I could be wrong in my head, but I thought Nightly News. Maybe other side was a little before Nightly News. I can't remember, but I know he was before. Yeah. Okay, because I know sure. that uh, around comics, which is no longer around, a, a podcast from uh, you know started about a year after I started. They uh, they uh, we we're all friends, and and they are like, hey, are you reading the other side? And I'm like, no. And then, like, really good war story from Vertigo. Check it out. New guy. I'm like, yeah. okay. And I'm like, fuck, this is good. And then, um, like I said, I, I whenever Hickman's Nightly News, I'm like, are you guys reading Nightly News? Holy shit. Yeah. So, I mean, that was, it, for whatever reason, I kind of, you know, had Hickman and and, uh, and Jason around the same time. And good God, Scalped. I mean, I, I love Scalped. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I told Matt that, uh, to be honest, Satellite Sam feels like Scalp in terms of you know, we all say graphic novel and we use the term very loosely, but I'm like, Satellite Sam feels like a novel. Yeah. And Scalped always felt like a novel as well. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally see that. So, yeah. You know. Um, well, there you go, man. Yeah. yeah dude, I, I, am I, I keeping you awake? Am I, am I, am I, uh, am I? No, no, so this is, this is great. I've had a nice, long, had a nice long day of drawing and writing. There but, you go. Uh, but I, I never get to talk to anyone. My man. Anytime. <laughs> Let's that, Dan that, Slot knows. Dan, I'm, I'm Dan Slot's like three in the morning booty call. He's always like, "Hey, yo, <laughs> thank you for that." Literally booty call. Yeah, I know. Nobody needs to think that. Uh, that just in terms of conversation. You know, I've, I've, <laughs> I've said to I've said to a lot of people 
since getting into comics, like people are saying, oh, wow, they must be great. I'm like, yeah, but like, you know, at least I used to go into a newspaper once in a while and see people. Now I don't see anyone. But That's- but, a, but a comic creator's life is like either you're working by yourself, like all the time, or you're in a room full of tens of thousands of people. <laughs> Constantly, yeah, drawing real fast and signing and signing yeah. uh, issues and stuff. <laughs> like what a what a weird split that is. Like you're either at like one of these comic conventions or you're just by yourself. Like the the fact that we're able to actually talk to people at shows, like you know, as a kid, it would uh, you you'd have a couple of weird run-ins with creators at a comic show where you're just like, oh man, they seem really off, and like you know, you kind of carry that with you. Uh, but now, as an adult. Uh, who does this for a living, I totally recognize that it's just the fact that these people do not talk to other human beings until they're in a room with way too many human beings. This is true. Well, that's why the smaller shows are a little easier to talk, and and that's, yeah. that's good. But, you know, I got to be honest, and I, I, I my analogy is in radio, we always dreaded doing the auto show. Oh, yeah. Because you're re- you're at a place, in the case of radio with the auto show, you're there. And, yeah, some people are kind of mildly interested that you're there. But they're there to see the cars. They don't yeah. give a shit about you. Yeah. And it was such a dr- – and it always happens in uh, post-holidays at the end of January in Chicago. And we'd always dread it. And, and I would always tell my creator friends, I'm like, when the conventions start feeling like the auto show – <laughs> you know, then you got then you got to start worrying. I go for yeah. me it is for me it's for me it's summer camp. Yeah, because I, it's it's my friends that I get to see a couple times a year. Most of the time it's in the summer, like San Diego. Yeah, for me that's like a that's like a week of summer camp, and it's just hey, how's it going? And I don't have a table, so I don't have the responsibilities that you guys have, and also. Uh, it's good because you know, in some cases, you can do commissions if you're able to or whatever, and make a little yeah. extra money and help pay for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I find like like I did a lot of shows last year. I think it's just because yeah. like, I, I've never been invited to shows before, so I just said yes to everything. Okay. And I love them, but I got burnt out, like physically okay. and mentally. It was just like it was. Well, yeah, dude, you were sweatshop. I mean, seriously, like I said, uh, mostly I saw the top of your head. Yeah. Or I'd be like, hey, you got like five minutes to talk, and you'd be like, have this very panic look on your face. I'm like. Okay, oh, I get it. It's all right. Don't worry, Chip. I'll talk to you. We'll, we'll do something. Don't worry about it. Yeah, so. they're, they're, they're great, but, like, I've actually I've turned down all shows for 2016. Like, I'm not doing anything. Really? Just, wow. Just to, like, just to kind of catch up, get my my mind back and to, and to catch up on the work itself. Because okay. it's, like, it's, it's fantastic, and it's not, like, the shows for me aren't about making money. Like, I live really lean. I have no... Uh, I have no habits, you know, I've okay. got nothing, <laughs> I don't spend money on anything really. So I'm not, I understand. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I'll charge for sketches at a show that would be like 20 or $30 for like a full ink wash head sketch. Cause, because like, yeah, I want people to be able to afford it. Sure, man. Because I like the idea of them awesome. having uh, original art. And I also want to discourage people who don't give a shit who I am and are just going to turn around and put on eBay, you know? I, I understand. Um, but yeah, the shows are draining because like, like I said before, I remember going to comic shows and having bad run-ins with creators uh, where they were just grumpy or whatever. Sure. And I always recognize the fact that like, if you, 
if you slip into that for like five minutes during a three-day weekend, whoever you see during that five minutes, that's their entire impression of you. And they feel bad. And they feel bad for a long time. And so, like, I, I know Matt feels the same way. Like, we are weird as on. We're at a show, we're on. Like, we are genuinely happy to see people. But even, like, in, like, peak exhaustion, like, we'll always have a smile. We'll always sign books. And we'll always have pictures taken with people. Because, like, yeah. Because I remember what that feeling is like. That's just, like, yeah, man. having this shitty run-in with the creator. But, oh, but, the, but the end result of that is, like, at the end of a day, I have to ice my arm. Because I've wow. I've drawn and I've get, I've signed too much, and uh, and then I sit down in my hotel bed and I just stare at a wall for like half an hour, like literally. That's what I do. Wow. Because I went to like meditation or anything like that. It would seem like no, no. That's that's the closest I get. Where I'm just like, okay, you can turn off for a second, and I just like stare at a wall. And then usually order room service because <laughs> it's just too much to keep going. I hear you. No, yeah. no, I respect that absolutely. And it, it uh, I believe me, I understand that to a. I mean, at uh, at the uh, Cincy show, Tony Moore and Kara Moore show, mm-hmm. they're they're sweet as hell, and they sponsor you know the podcast, and I do all those uh, panels, and I love it. Yeah. But I do understand because that is the closest I get to you guys at a table signing all day yeah. is when. It's like, hey, do you mind doing five panels today? And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> that's a lot of talking. And that's a lot of like, you know, all right, is everyone happy? Is everyone enjoying it? Is the conversation yeah. moving along? Is everyone on the panel had a chance to talk? No, oh, maybe not. All right, shit. And yeah, you just feel like you're driving all day. And it's, no, I've had those nights where, yeah, it's like, oh, just yeah. let me sit in the hotel and watch whatever's on, like Jag. or <laughs> <laughs> Jag. That's For the your, longest time, Jag was my hotel go-to your, show. Your go-to hotel show. Oh my god! Yeah, in terms of all right, it's going to be a nice little self-contained story. I kind of like <laughs> Catherine Bell. <laughs> all right, John's got his a uh, Jag loan time. <laughs> Some people call it Jag. I call it John time. That's right. Exactly. Jag, take me away. Everyone yeah. knows now they could buy me a box, uh, a season DVD set of, of Jag. <laughs> yeah. With, with Catherine Bell commentaries, please. Merry Christmas. I, I'm not proud. I, I'm just saying. This is this is my Canadian cops to go full circle from when we started. Our yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, Mount, the Mountie version of cops. Oh, God. Oh, man. Dude, all right. I, and that reminds me because I always pick on my Canadian friends and tell them, like, the Canadian comedy or whatever that I'm enjoying currently. And I'm trying to think. Actually, there is a Canadian product, and I, I had the author on uh, my show. Uh, Cliff Nesteroff is a guy who just wrote a book about the history of American comedy. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm familiar with it just because my girlfriend, she works at the newspaper, and she runs the uh, weekend's feature section. I think she is running an excerpt from his book this week, maybe? It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Uh, it, it is great. It's it's fantastic. Okay. Um, I'll have to check it out. And he has a great blog called Classic Showbiz mm. uh, that does like all the seamy stories of like the 50s, 60s, and 70s comedians that were like you know on you know guest shots on Andy Griffith or you know all the all the sitcoms or Gilligan's Island or whatever or yeah, yeah. all the game the game shows in the 70s, the Jan Murrays and the, the yeah. you know. Oh yeah, and then like you know, run-ins with the mob and just crazy, you know, just crazy road stories of comedians and stuff. And he did a lot of like direct uh, interviews with them. 
but just yeah, crazy, wow. crazy stuff. So so I so there's a there's a Canadian product that I'm currently enjoying. I'll have to uh, check it out. Yeah. There you go. There you go. But no, nothing. I, I, oh, I should ask because he's he's one of my favorites. Uh, Ken. Um, oh God, more tears in uh, the newsroom. Ken um, Finkelman. Oh. Yes, thank you, Finkelman. Yeah. God bless you. I love that guy. Yeah, yeah. I'm not trying to do what he's doing right now. Like, the yeah, newsroom was, was fantastic, he, but that was a while ago. Yeah, and he had a. I know he had an HBO show that was on on HBO Canada, but wasn't here called Good Dog or something like that. Oh, oh, I haven't even heard of that. It was a couple of years ago, and that's the last I had heard. Oh, I loved uh, Schitt's Creek. Or Schmidt <laughs> Creek. With, uh, with Eugene Levy and Kevin. Kevin. Yeah, yeah. That was excellent. Yeah, they're classics. My, one of my proudest moments as a Canadian was I used to work at a hardware store in, in the lighting section, electrical, and uh, Catherine O'Hara came in. She was, wow. like, she was on her way to the cottage, I think, and she needed some help. And so I, I, I helped her, like, find the lighting fixture or whatever. And then... Uh, and I made her laugh. Oh, that's fantastic! I, I I cracked a joke, and she laughed—a genuine laugh. And I was like, "That I can go to my grave knowing I made Catherine my hair laugh." That was like that's that was it. Yeah, that's excellent. Uh, um, Harold Ramis before he passed. Well, actually, well before he passed away, when he had just done analyze this, yeah. was a guest on our uh, our sports radio station had a, a weekly TV show, and he was a guest. And after the show, the taping, um, the the host had to leave. I was just the announcer. Yeah. I was like his. I was like the host, Sandy Richter, and I had to host this dinner uh, with uh, with Harold Ramis. And all I'm I'm like, you got to tell me about the early days of SCTV. I said because yeah. good God, I go what a what a group of talented people, and I love that show. And you know, he was the Chicago guy that came up uh, to the show and everything, but. Yeah. Oh, no, he gave great stories and just a really interesting, fun guy. And oh, broke man. my heart when he passed away a, a year or two ago. But yeah, um, <laughs> and I'm trying. I'm trying to think if I met. Uh, I never met Ramus. I never met, or rather, I never met uh, Levy. I never met uh, Dave Thomas, who I love. Yeah. And I, I didn't know Dave Thomas's work was has been working on Bones. Oh really? And is one of yeah, and is one of the writer. And it kind of makes me want to watch Bones. Yeah, I don't watch that's Bones. That's crazy. But he was on. Um, he was either on Mark Marin or I forget which interview podcast. Yeah. And I, I think it was Marin. And he's like, yeah, actually, the last couple of years I've been writing Bones, and it's really fun. Because he's <laughs> like, that's like the only the only kind of television writing he never did was dramatic, uh, weekly dramatic series. Yeah, and yeah. And he's just like, and he's like, yeah, it's a blast. It's a good time, and I really enjoy it. And he had been doing it for a couple of years. So I'm like, that is really cool. And it made me happy. And uh, Rick Moranis, just like leaving the business, fascinates me yeah. a lot of I love that. I think that's like yeah, the smartest too. thing he could have ever done. Like, like, like so few people know when to just be like, you know what? That's enough. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's always just about, oh, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? I'm like, you know, sometimes it's like the next thing is like raising your kids. Exactly. No, I hear you, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah Rick Moran is like a hero in my eyes. I can appreciate it. I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, for me, I was going to say, for me, it's uh, yeah, go. SCTV was like a, a thing I watched when I was a kid, but I, I didn't quite get into it. Um, I got into it a bit more later, but Kids in the Hall was like my thing. I love Kids in the Hall. Absolutely. Like that was, that was what blew my mind in high school. And like I went to a live taping of one of the shows. Wow. And because my parents got us tickets and uh, despite the Fantastic. fact that they did not care for kids in the hall or they thought kids in the hall were turning me gay. Um, 
they they still supported it and like oh I I I love every member of that troop so much. Yeah, man. Oh, um, they're awesome. A friend of mine is just finished writing a uh uh an oral history of the kids in the hall. He he basically kind of went on the road with them and like interviewed all of them and he's got this book coming out next year and like I I think I'm gonna be doing the cover for it, which is like kind of a dream come true. That's huge. To just do like an illustration of all of them. Yeah. Yeah, I well, love him. All right, there's another guy you're going to have to put me in touch with when his book is ready. Yeah, oh, he's hilarious, yeah. Yeah, he's like he's like a, he's like a young writer um here in Toronto, John Semley and uh and he's so funny. He's one of the there's there's a few kind of media writers in town that like I I I saw a few years ago and I was like they're going to be huge and he's one of them. Like he's so funny. And uh yeah, his kids in the hall book is going to be amazing. That's cool. Yeah. I, you know, I, I like, I like Strombo and I and partially yeah. because I'm Greek. So I, you know, I, I, but I, I, I like the Strombo interviews I catch. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's pretty good. He doesn't even do like, he does like, he's like a, a hockey guy now. Is he really? That's yeah. funny. Yeah. He That's like when Dennis Miller was doing American football for a while. That's funny. Yeah. He made, he made the switch over to, uh, to doing like Your hockey, hockey commentary, I think. Interesting, because I'm like, oh, I'm like, uh, to be honest, I'm like, shit, man, I'm Greek. I, why, why aren't I a candidate doing this job? I can do this job. Yeah, there you go. Come on, for Christ's sake. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're a filthy American. Forget it. I am a filthy American. Well, there's, I know there's a big Greek community in uh, Toronto. Mm, yeah, yeah, it's huge. So, and uh, truly, and I, <laughs> you know, well, it's like, like the Greeks all get excited about, like, did you know in Australia there's a lot of Greeks? And it's like, yes. <laughs> did you know in Toronto there's a lot of Greeks? Yes, yes I did. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's I think that's true for pretty much every nationality, though. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, polls all get polls all, polls all get excited. Well, you guys got to get all excited about uh, Chicago and everything. We got a, We got a big Polish community here. Well, see, Chipsnarski is a fake name, so it's not even. I, I, is it I, really? I, I took that's... that from a from a Polish uh, uh, girl. Oh, that's awesome, Chip. I had no idea. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that's excellent. All right, excellent. We'll keep your identity secret then. Perfect. Oh no, it's it's a well known secret now. <laughs> so I did I did all my newspaper stuff under Steve Murray, and then I did all my comic stuff under Chip Starsky, and eventually that's the awesome. worlds just kind of collided. Yeah. That's did they bust you on cue? Who's also known as Steve? It was the Eisner. Oh, that's fantastic! I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, like, dude. Hey, forgive me. Can we talk about the Harvey uh, shit for a second? Yeah, I mean, it's past yeah, sure, sure. Everything. <laughs> because we didn't even talk about that. But no, go ahead and tell the Eisner story, and then we'll talk about the Harveys. What happened? Well, no, it's just a, like, like at some point, like I just start to let people know at work when I'm doing this comic, this next from this comic is like, you know, like friends and stuff. Not everyone. And then, uh, and then when I won the Eisner, the guys in the arts department were like, "Well, we have to report this. Like, this is a story." Like we're gonna put in the paper that one of our own won this award, and so they actually they wrote a story about how oh Steve Murray from this paper is also Chip Zdarsky and he won this award. So <laughs> yeah, the next day at work, like basically everyone everyone knew and everyone was very confused. <laughs> Clark Kent is Superman. Yeah, exactly. That's fantastic. So, like, and seriously, it didn't even occur to me to talk about the Harveys until you mentioned Eisner, yeah. because it is, it, you know, it's a, it, it, there's a weird little blip that I, I can appreciate where you were coming from, mm-hmm. and, and now months later, 
I don't know what's what's the aftermath. You and and explain explain for the audience who may not know what happened with the heart. Um, well, basically, uh, when the nomination kind of forms came out uh, for the Harveys, I was in the category of um, a special award for humor, and it was Chip Zdarsky for sex criminals. Uh, and I was like, well, that's weird and crazy because there's somebody else that works on sex criminals as well, who actually <laughs> happens to contribute, like. 80% of the humor of the book. So that makes, it just didn't make any sense. It was wrong. And so I emailed the Harvey people and I was like, Hey, you know, honored obviously, but, um, can we add Matt's name to this? Um, because also, you know, as a comic artist, uh, I, I very much understand the, uh, being looked over, yes. uh, feeling. Right. And I, I would sure. never, I would never want to do that to Matt. So, so I told him like, if you can like add his name, great. I understand if you can't, but if you can't, then please remove me from the nomination because it's wrong. And I kind of figured that's what would happen because to add his name is like, well, nobody actually, you know, that that kind of goes against what was nominated, so we can't do that. And then I got an email basically saying, well, we're not going to do either. Uh, <laughs> we're not going to remove you from the ballot and we're not going to add Matt's name to the nomination. Yeah, and they said, you know, because it would be, uh, I think they felt it would be insulting to the people that nominated me to uh, remove me from it. Is it. Do the fans nominate the, because I know the fans vote on the Harveys, but who who does do, who sets up the nominations? The, the nominations, I don't know if they're, um, like it, the Harveys are, Voted on by pros. I don't. I can't recall if the pros also do the nominations. Okay. Um, it's gonna be working. Oh, comics. is it really? Oh, oh no, and then, you know what? It is. It is. I think it is the pros that, that nominate. So I, I I don't know how this happened. But okay, because I can I get a Harvey ballot as well, and maybe I'm and I and I think it's kind of crazy if I'm considered a pro. Yeah, if, right. if you're in the industry, yeah. And so, right. and so. Yeah, like <laughs> they wouldn't, they wouldn't take my name off. Uh, and I wrote back and I was like, well, um, you would take my name off if it said Chisodarsky, uh writer of Batman, because that's not, because <laughs> that's, that's not, correct. that's not the truth. And by just having me nominated is also not right because nobody knows who contributed what to sex criminals. Like, true. And at, at this point too, like I, I, I think I was having a conversation with Ryan North, who won the award the year before, about the situation, and I surprised him because he thought, because he won for Adventure Time last year, and I think he thought that like uh, the other people on Adventure Time also were sent trophies. Like he thought he was accepting it for the team. Sure. And so then, then that was what the Harvey said to me. They're like, well, you know, in situations like this, you can just go up and you can thank Matt if you win. I was like, well, why, why does that fall on me? Shouldn't it fall on you to make the category such that it recognizes multiple people in the team? Like, why is it, in, why is it a binary? Why does it have to be like one person getting nominated for a book? Like, that's insane. I'm like, so I, I basically told him like, you, you, I want you to do this. If you don't do this, then my suggestion is to change the category next year so it's not special award for humor. 
American comics, but like best humor publication. That way you actually do acknowledge the team. Right. Especially in a situation where you don't know who contributed the humor. Uh, and they never got back to me on that. And so uh, I was, I think I was in Chicago on a vacation when I got word that I won. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I actually had like a speech prepared kind of turning it down that I gave to a friend who was at the awards, but I didn't notify the Harveys that I'd done that. So they didn't allow him or give time for him to go up to, to <laughs> refuse it. So that was, that was in Baltimore. I'm yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so, you know, so I had to make a public statement saying I turned it down. I turned it down for these reasons. And, but I also said, in it, like, you know, if you have this, the trophy, feel free to send it to me and I'll like, I'll auction it off for like a charity or something like, you know, let's not let it go to waste. A nice positive. Yeah. That's a nice positive way to do it. Sure. The word I heard on the street is that there is no chance in hell they are ever sending me that trophy, which is made <laughs> and sitting somewhere in like a back room gathering dust. Closet. Wow. So I'm like, oh, okay. Wow. But I, but I've also heard that, um, They've brought in outside people to kind of look at the system and see what should be changed because there's there's a bunch of stuff okay. about the awards, kind of like that that could have a, a good look over in terms of uh, uh, changing sure. the process. Oh yeah, I because mean, some of those know. categories get stacked and they get stacked by publishers, and and the Absolutely. the process is, is is such that people can do that. Sure. And there's no sure. over there's no oversight to stop it from happening, really. But yeah, it was just it was upsetting to me because I'm just like it should be within my right to be removed from a category. Like it's and I didn't I, I to for the life of me I don't know what they were thinking by not doing that. Like what did they expect me to do? Did they expect me to win the award and then graciously accept it? Well, like all the problems were already, I've already stated all my problems with it to them. Like, so I have no idea. I have no idea. Well, and, it, and it would seem that again, it would solve the problem because uh, you're just saying, "Hey, there's another guy." So everyone that was voting for you, all you're doing is just saying, "Thank you." Obviously, you're voting for the book. Yeah. Um, Matt, <laughs> Matt had as much to do with this as I did, if not more. Yeah. So, so yeah, you would think that would be kind of an easy yay fix. Yeah. That is crazy. It's you know honestly every every award system uh, is has its flaws. Yeah. And and you know being in sports and and in media, I've certainly heard my share of stories about the various awards that exist. And yeah. You know from the baseball writers in Cooperstown to you know Canton, Ohio for American football and and all the other you know yeah. sports things to entertainment and everything too. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like well, it's 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 yeah. it's rare that the the person most deserving is the one who wins an award, but and I've obviously proven that case, but uh but still like if there's a chance to make it better then they should try to make it better. Like I like I said, I, I don't know I don't know what they would have to lose in that situation. Uh, except for the fact that it would have highlighted uh the fact that they allowed it to happen in the first place. Like, if all of a sudden my name disappeared from the ballot, I think they were just worried that, like, that'll just indicate that there was a problem with the nominating process, which there was, but it's like an admission. 
So instead, they waited until I won, so I could just publicly shame them. Well, there you go, man. Uh, well, now you're in the same you're in the same company as uh, George C. Scott refusing for patent and uh, Marlon Brando. Marlon, yes, I was gonna say, I, you know, and I didn't want to I didn't want to sound uh, uh, you know uh, insensitive from a racial standpoint, but were you gonna send a Native American up to accept the award and explain why you're uh, you're not receiving the award? You uh, should, actually, I guess in the case of sex criminals, uh, you should have sent up a, a well known pervert. To uh, accept the award, well, <laughs> you know, I, I had originally tapped Alejandro from Valiant to go up and and turn it down, actually, <laughs> which I believe he's a Puerto Rican American. Oh, there you go. So uh, <laughs> I was going to say, unless he's a pervert, okay. <laughs> yeah. Right. Speaking of perverts, Alejandro was going to accept, actually, and uh, yeah, there you yeah, go. yeah, yeah. Like in my speech, I reference his uh, enormous height and uh, and everything, <laughs> but yeah. Are you going to – you should put that at the back of uh, one of the collections for the ARCs, yeah. <laughs> the, the acceptance speech that never was. So this is like the best part of the whole thing was like – so I got the word that I'd won when I was in Chicago. I was like with okay. my in-laws and my girlfriend and we were, you know, on on vacation. And uh, so I tell Matt this and like this is crazy and I'm putting out a thing saying I rejected. He's like, oh my god, we've got, we've got just enough time to change the cover on issue 13. So we added, so we changed the credits in issue 13 on the cover to say, you know, sex criminals by like Chip Zdarsky and Chums. Wait a so, minute, I'm looking at that. I didn't, I didn't. I didn't the, co- the cover of issue 13 that says Harvey Award winning humorist Chip Zdarsky and Chums. <laughs> <laughs> and that, and, you know, you know, hand to God, that was Matt's idea. I don't That's think fantastic. I don't think I could I, I would have come up with that, but like yeah, he That's just thought excellent. it was yeah he thought it was so funny and the fact that this yeah. happened and he totally wanted it on the cover. <laughs> well, Matt's Matt's got plenty of hardware. Don't get me wrong, but still. Yeah. <laughs> that's why. Right. No, that's excellent, man. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I didn't even notice. That. <laughs> yeah. And luckily, it still it still actually holds true because I did actually win and accept a Harvey Award the year before for uh, for most promising newcomer at the age of 38. Well, yeah. That, also know, a bit man. of a flaw. <laughs> You're right. Oh, dude. Yeah, there's a million. There's always things like that. The Russ Manning Award goes to a guy that's a veteran in the Eisners. Yeah. Um, you know, Marvel, Marvel, when they first announced their young gun artists included Arthur Soydem at the time, who was already in his like late forties, if not fifties. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah, there's yeah. always something stupid like that. I am now looking at the cover and I see chums and I didn't even pay attention. Yeah. Man. <laughs> so So again, it's like it's like I was saying like a lot earlier about how, you know, all of our dunk publicity is all totally accidental and like weird. That's funny. Hey, you know, I never ask artists about uh what Sankovich does. Like, how does she help you, uh, your editor, Lauren Sankovich, who I, I – uh, she's one of my favorite people, and, I, and I've known her from her Marvel years, obviously. But I know she's she's helping you guys, and she's uh, she's editing for, for Kelly Sue. And, yeah, yeah. Her role is kind of more – I mean, it's not just like a strict editor position. It feels more like a managing editor. Like, she kind of like – she kind of oversees all the books and kind of makes sure – uh, everybody has the stuff that they need to do their jobs and that the, the, the schedules work. She's kind of acts as a liaison um, okay. between us and image in a lot of ways and with printers and 
you know, dealing with, um, uh, like variant cover artists, stuff like that. Like, yeah, she's fantastic. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna have to get her on because you're right, it, it, and, and that is my question always with creator-owned books: who the editor is and what they do. Who's your editor for Coptara? Well, see, uh, we have the same kind of uh, a guy named Tommy Kintner is okay. our um, kind of line-by-line editor on mm-hmm. Captara and Sex Criminals. Like, oh, okay. He's a guy that kind of goes through and, and gives it like the the thorough proofread to make sure we haven't fucked up in continuity or you know all of our terrible spelling and grammar. Um, and, and and Lauren comes in as well and goes through the catch things that he, he may have missed on that. I'm seeing that now on the credits page of 13. That, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so he's invaluable and she's invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. Matt and Kelly Sue are like their own kind of like crazy entity now. They've got staff. Oh yeah. Yeah, Kit Cox. I know when I when I have yeah. to arrange for a for a talk with them, I I usually do it through through Kit. Yeah. Yeah. So, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Very yeah. funny. Very very cool, man. Well, you're doing great, and I and I, I, want, I want you I want you to sleep better. And I uh, and no, this is this is a good hang. All right. I, uh, yeah, that's good. I, absolutely. No, I appreciate the time as always. And uh, well, if you're not going to be on the convention circuit, then you're going to have to like you know come back next year, and we'll we'll talk when uh, when books drop, and you know maybe when the the next uh, arc for Captara starts. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, you know anything? Hey, man, anything? Yeah, I, how yeah, quick? For are, sure. how, I mean, I know, I know. Thirteen just came out a couple weeks ago, right? Of Sex Criminals. Um, a bit longer a than that. Um, we're uh, we're a little bit behind. Um, uh, Matt's dad passed away, and right. there's a lot yeah. of family stuff that he had to deal sure. with, and uh, so I'm I'm almost done drawing issue fourteen. So I think it's okay. It'll be done in a week or two. Uh, I don't know what, when it's supposed to be out. Okay. So that's, no, I understand that's, that. That's Absolutely. 14 and then 15, and that closes out the arc, and then we'll get back into the end of the new year. Understood. All right, bud. Well, yeah, you know, when, um, yeah, in a couple months, uh, let me know what's going on, and uh, happy to have you back. And Yeah, yeah, so great. Oh, yeah. it's my pleasure, dude. You know it. And, uh, no, happy happy holidays to your uh, yourself and your family. You as well. Good luck getting through the, uh, the radio crunch. Thank you very much, sir. All right. Take it easy. There you go. Chip Zdarsky. Great conversation. Uh, look for all of his uh, excellent work that's going on right now. I suddenly sound like Don Trump. Uh, look for his excellent work. He does great stuff. It's Chip Zdarsky right here on Word Balloon. I can't help it. The uh, the debate as we're recording is uh, less than 24 hours away. I, I can't wait to get uh, more uh, humor from the uh, presidential campaigns. But I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Word Balloon. Uh, we're going to have a few more before uh, the end of the year, so uh, stick around. But uh, today's episode was brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. As I say, it is uh, holiday season, and uh, if you have uh, some uh, graphic novel needs, this is the place to go for the best deals you'll find online. Great uh, specific uh, deals on various publishers, like over 500 Marvel titles are up to 70% off. Um, There are uh, select clearance titles up to 70%. Top shelf books are up to 70% off. DC Archive titles up to 70% off. Those and other selections like the original run of The Suicide Squad, Volume 2, The Nightshade Odyssey, 
Uh, excellent work and uh, a great volume from John Ostrander, Luke McDonald, and others. 45% off. It's just $10.99. You can also get Runaways, Battleworks uh, trade paperback, and that's uh, Noel Stevenson and Sanford Green. It's their great uh, miniseries that they were doing during Secret Wars. And we spoke to Sanford about this. I, I loved it. Um, and I think you might as well. Uh, you're going to find it at a great deal, 45% off, just $8.79. You can get uh, the Jack the Ripper hardcover. Uh, that's from Dark Horse. A really neat uh, French uh, graphic novel. A beautiful art. Excellent story. Uh, this is, uh, let's see, 45% off, just $9.89, but there's a hell of a lot more. Uh, check out all the great deals that are waiting now at InStockTrades.com. And also, uh, I should mention, uh, I was telling you about the Laszlo Letters, uh, the Don Novello book. I'm not sure if it's in print anymore, but if it's out of print, uh, you can go to the Amazon store uh, through WordBalloon.com and look for it from one of the individual vendors. But, uh, you know, and uh, while you're shopping uh, for some other needs that are non-graphic uh, novel related, uh, do your shopping over at Amazon.com and uh, go through the Word Balloon portal at WordBalloon.com and uh, we get a little kickback. It never costs you any more, but it helps us out and we appreciate uh, that shopping that you do through Amazon. John Suntra saying thanks again for listening to Word Balloon. Thank you, League of Word Balloon listeners who support us via Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash wordballoon. If you want to subscribe to Word Balloon that way and then help support the show, that's terrific. But as I always say, the best way you can help me out at Word Balloon is let a friend know you like the show, you think they'd like the show as well. Questions or comments about the show, reach me via email, john at wordballoon.com, or you can follow me on Twitter at John Word Balloon, or on Facebook under my name, John Suntress, and the Word Balloon Network. So uh, stick around. New show coming up uh, in uh, just a few days, uh, probably less than a week. And so at least one more show before Christmas Day, if not two. So uh, stick around and uh, enjoy more Word Balloon. Until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions. Copyright 2015.